Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Utah Jazz do it again. Another win for the Jazz. Make it 20 out of 21. Nine in a row. 20 of the last 21 after they beat the Clippers. Down five at the half. They were struggling. Clippers came out. Really defended the three-point line. Had to start a smaller lineup because Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and and Nicholas Batum uh, were all out. Uh, the Clippers missing their two stars. And, man, those guys came out and played hard without their stars and uh, defended the three-point line, but eventually Jazz warmed down. A combination of uh, offensive rebounds. Rudy had five. They almost doubled up the Clippers on offensive rebounds. The second chances mattered. Uh, getting out and running a little bit, which they didn't do in the first half. Hitting some three-pointers off broken plays. And uh, they pull away and beat the Clippers. But eventually, down five of the half, they eventually led by more than 20 points. Uh, they win by 18. So we'll get the best of the postgame show coming up. And the Jazz will play the Clippers again Friday night. Uh, Mike Conley didn't play, so that's six games in a row he's missed now. And the Jazz are 6-0. and uh, as far as the college basketball, Utah State went up to Boise State. They were right there. They were down by a point with five minutes to go. The game was hanging in the balance, and the Broncos finished strong. They finished the game on a 15-6 to run, and they get the win and take over first place in the Mountain West Conference. Those two teams will go at it again Friday night as well. Let you listen in now. Post-game comments from Craig Smith, the head coach of the Aggies. Coach, you talk about the little things um, and a little play here and there that can really change a game. And uh, there were just these one or two little things. Shaver with the straightaway three. Uh, the ball ripped out of Bearstow's hands that leads to a three. Just those little things in a game where you got two really good, evenly matched teams can end up making the difference. So we told the guys, uh, I thought we played really well, well, pretty well most of the game. Second half, we... Um, uh, we got scored on on a high clip. Uh, you know, I really regret not doing a few things differently um, from that respect. But, um, you know, I thought we, we were really, you know, we got that four-point lead. And it was back and forth all night, obviously. And I thought that that's what we told our guys after. They made some big plays late. Almost all of them were after that play where Sean, you know, got that rebound. And we were up three at that time. And I don't know how much time was left, six, seven minutes or maybe five, six minutes. Um, and, and after that point, they really, it was like such a big momentum play yeah. for them. And then they make that shaver makes that three. They made some big ones where we didn't close out with a hand up and, uh, just had some, had some breakdowns and they made us pay. And that's what good teams do. When you break down, they make you pay. You know, I thought we were in a great rhythm offensively, um, in terms of when Kata got the ball. Yeah. Obviously we didn't shoot it very well going three for 16 from the three. I thought we forced a few. Um, and then we just missed some clean looks, too, and, and sometimes that happens. But obviously, Kata was a, a dominant force tonight. We called a lot of stuff to get him the ball because, A, he's really good, but we felt like we had the advantage down there without a question. So, um, you know, it was a tough night, obviously, at the end of the day. Um, they score um, 79 points on 71 possessions, which is 1.1 points of possession. We want to be under that. Most nights we are. Um, and then that second half specifically, they, they score at 1.24 points of possession, and yeah. that's going to be hard to win when you allow a team to do that. So we were right at a point of possession. We win most of those games yeah. in, in that circumstance. But you got to give them credit. They're, they're a very good team. They made us pay, uh, and they made some big plays when it really mattered, you know, in that last four minutes or so. Um, 
Wooster not playing in this game, was that something you knew going ahead, going into it, that he probably wouldn't go, or was that kind of a game-time decision? No, uh, we knew, um, I guess, two days ago, m- Monday afternoon, I guess. You could say he's got a lower leg injury, and and we'll see what happens. Um, it's something that we're working on, and um, he's had this issue for a while, to be quite frank. Um, but we haven't played for yeah. 14 days. He, he would not have played um, against Fresno. That second game, so um, so he's been out for a little bit here. Obviously, we've been trying to get him back um, with some things, and so we'll just see. And he, Raleigh's a tough, tough. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Raleigh's as tough as he as they come. So he's doing everything he can um, to to get that thing where he needs to get it, and and um, hopefully he can get him back really, really soon. There's the head coach of the Aggies, Craig Smith. After the loss at Boise State, they'll try again Friday night. We'll take a break. Come back with. Tim Reynolds, who's written about the NBA for the Associated Press for years. AP's Tim Reynolds coming up on the Jazz next, and then the Jazz postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So uh, Wednesday morning, fairly late in the show, we spoke with Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press. Uh, Wanted to have him on. He's covered the NBA for a long time. And the Jazz playing the Clippers twice in three days. Of course, uh, we talked to Tim. He didn't know that Kawhi Leonard was definitely going to be out. And the Jazz were going to trail by five at the half and pull away and win by 18. Uh, Now we do know that. But here's Tim with some of the bigger picture stuff on the NBA. Tim, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. So, we wanted to have you on as a guy who uh, covers the NBA, uh, assess the West and the Jazz and how things are going, because you can imagine there's a little bit of excitement around this team. I, I, I would think there's probably um, a little bit more than a little. Right. I would even I would allow Jazz fans to go to medium excitement okay. at this point. They're there. I, I would allow them to go that far. Um, yeah, uh, you're, you're really good. You've got a really good basketball team. And, and I'll tell you this, and I've written about this in, in, in past years. In fact, I even asked Quinn about it once, and he kind of rolled his eyes at me. Quinn's teams get better as the year goes along. And, and if that doesn't make the West a little bit more nervous, um, it should. <laughs> it really should. There's just there, – there isn't – there isn't a weakness now. I also, and I'm going to, I'm just throwing myself at the mercy of you guys here. I don't think there's an all-star starter on that team. I don't think that's going to be a big surprise. The, the strength is the balance. There's, it, it, there's an unselfishness about them that they remind me very much of of the Heat teams that were here in those four years with LeBron and Chris and Dwayne. Maybe not in the certainly the 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 national noticing the national buzz, um, which means nothing, by the way. But those teams were successful because nobody cared who did what on a given night. 
Nobody cares that Jordan Clarkson comes off and scores 40. Nobody cares that Rudy does this some night. Nobody cares that Joe does this some night. Nobody cares when Donovan does his thing. That's what you need to be elite, and that's what Quinn has. That's what the Jazz have built, and that's why 23-5, and you know, I don't know if they're going to play 800 basketball the rest of the way, uh, but this is no joke. They are real, and they are very much a contender to win the whole thing. And as I was watching basketball, and I watch it every night for, you know, obviously for uh, work purposes and just personal enjoyment anyway, I'm thinking that so much of this has been viewed as a negative that they don't have that all-star starter, as you phrase it. But actually, when you think about it and step back, the fact that they're, they've won all these ball games without that is the strength and is the positive, meaning that it can be Mitchell's your guy who's probably going to lead you in scoring most nights. But the other night, they had four guys score at least 25. So to me, it's, it shouldn't be viewed as a negative. It should be viewed as a positive. Oh, 100%. 100%. Now, there's, of course, there's two ways to look at it, right? There's, from the opposition standpoint, what and who do you take away on the Jazz roster? I mean, it's, what, what can you do? If you take away A, B is going to get you. If you take away B, C is going to get you. If you take away C and D, A and B are going to go crazy. It's, so it's a nightmare to game plan for an unselfish basketball team. Now, what the next thing is going to be, what the next complaint about the Jazz will be, is you look at this run. What are they, what's it, 18 out of 19 or 19 out of 20? 19 to 20, yeah. 19 to 20. Most of those games, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I mean, I've, I've watched them. They've all pretty much all been by double digits, right? So watch what the next thing will be. The next time the Jazz are in a close game, who does Quinn go to? Who's the go-to guy in those situations? That will be the next hurdle. That will be the next complaint. The next time the Jazz are in a close game and they don't win, and it will happen, you will lose a close game at some point this season, that will be the next complaint. The Jazz don't have a go-to guy because people will draw conclusions off one game. Look, they know what they have. I think smart fans know what they have. I know this league knows what's going on out there. Um, Sit back, relax, and enjoy. And when they do announce the All-Star starters tomorrow night, for a game that hasn't technically been announced yet, by the way, I mean, I think Quinn can coach, Quinn can clinch the coaching job, I think, tonight. If they beat the Clippers, I think Quinn is locked in to be the All-Star coach for a game that hasn't technically been announced. Enjoy that. Enjoy, those, enjoy the fact that you don't have an All-Star starter and that your strength is in numbers, and that's how you win in this league. Okay, that is... Uh, how you win, but when it gets time to win the biggest games, and I agree with you that the you know the national hype isn't there and that doesn't matter, but the All Star starters tend to be a reflection of playoff success the last few years, and the, usually you have to have some playoff success before you can win it all. It's the rare team that lost in the first round. I think the Warriors, having lost in the second round and then going to win the championship, was unusual. So for a team to come off back-to-back first-round losses, um, I know the Mavericks had a lot of first-round problems. They'd have to look back when they won it. It just doesn't happen very often. So do you worry about not having that go-to guy in the biggest moment when you get to the biggest games in the playoffs? No, because you have. we all know you have the go-to guy. 
right? I mean, we all saw what Donovan did in the bubble last year. I mean, if, if people are going to say the Jazz haven't been to the conference finals and whatever, the Jazz haven't been to the finals and whatever, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't really I, – I don't think any of that stuff matters to me. I mean, remember, Anthony Davis couldn't win until he won. You know, I mean, even LeBron. LeBron couldn't win until he won. Um, it, it, it's a I, – I don't buy into it really at all that you need that past success or even to get to the brink and feel that pain – before you can get there. Um, you know, Joe Ingles has played international basketball at the highest level forever. You know, Rudy has been, you know, part of Olympic runs and World Cup runs. with These guys know what the pressure cooker is. They do. They absolutely do know. And, you know, I would expect that, you know, I would expect that, that Quinn and Dennis and, and the decision makers out there, I, I would think you're going to add a piece. I would think you're not going to sit idly. I mean, it's it's not like you need something, but if everyone else is going to add, if every other contender is going to add, you feel compelled to. So you bring in another vet who's been there, another good guy for the locker room and that sort of thing. And the issue takes care of itself. I don't think, just to be clear what I was saying, that there isn't a question that you guys, I mean, Donovan is the go-to guy. He absolutely is, and and you can get on his back, and he will carry you in a playoff. But, but the best part about the Jazz is he doesn't have to do that. That's what's great. I mean, he signed that massive contract last summer and jumped into the pool and ruined that pair of sneakers by jumping into the pool with his shoes on. But he hasn't played as though he's got this burden on him of he has to live up to a contract. He's sort of been the same Donovan you know, from what I have seen. That's exactly what you want if you're Utah. What level of action do you expect as far as player movement here in the next few weeks? You know, I, I'm kind of in the minority on this one. I think there will be some. I mean, you're already seeing you know the rumor mills out there, and obviously, you know, the Andre Drummond situation is public. The Blake Griffin situation is public. Um, someone will trade for Andre Drummond. Um, he's a young, very good, big, and expiring. Uh, the Pistons will have to buy out Blake Griffin at some point because nobody's going to trade for that contract. And I do think in the right spot, Blake could be, you know, if he if he's healthy, Blake could be a good fit off the bench in a lot of places. But I think broadly, I don't think there's going to be, I don't think there's going to be dozens and dozens and dozens of guys on the move because remember, we have an expanded playoff now in this league. It might just be one game, but Going to 10 teams, going to 10 teams in each conference, technically getting in, this, this play-in series is going to have more teams. It's going to do for the NBA what the wild card originally did for baseball. Teams that would be out of the race, that team in 13th, that is nine games out of eight, they're not going to be out of the race anymore because they're only going to be three or four games behind 10th, and they're going to feel like we still have a chance to get in. So I don't know if a lot of teams will be selling. And you can't have tons of buyers without tons of sellers. So I I don't think there's going to be wild movement. I think your elite teams will look to add a piece. You know, Drummond will be the big name that gets moved. I don't think any of – I don't – put it this way, guys. I'd be really surprised if there was, like, some sort of blockbuster that we didn't see coming, some huge name getting moved. I'd be really surprised if that happened this year. Do you see something that the Clippers and Lakers want to add? Because obviously those are the two teams Jazz fans are watching closely. you see an obvious move for those clubs? 
Yeah, oh, I did see an obvious move for the Clippers, and I'm surprised they didn't get Derrick Rose. Uh, you know, Derrick Rose, his you know his agent is based in L.A. I think he still has a home out there. They need a backup point guard, and they need a backup wing. Um, so I was very surprised that they didn't get more seriously into the Derrick Rose talks. I mean, Derrick wanted to go to New York. Not that that ultimately matters. Um, I mean, if, if Detroit got a better offer from the Clippers, he'd probably be a Clipper right now. So I do think they'll look to add a backup point. Um, the Lakers situation is, is unusual, guys, in that you have LeBron, so you're fine because he plays like every position. Um, the Anthony Davis situation is what you watch out there. They're, you know, Woe just saying two, three weeks. The Lakers are just saying, you know, the Lakers haven't come out and said that, I don't think, officially yet. Um, they're just saying, you know, it's a strain. He's being evaluated. The longer that situation goes, then the Lakers have to decide, do we want a complimentary piece? Do we want another another backup point guard type? Do we need another vet like, like, like Rondo? Rondo was so big for that team last year. Do you need someone like him again? Or can we really count on Anthony Davis to log big minutes? Remember, and guys, these games are rapid fire this year. Everybody's playing every other day. So can he play big minutes without a lot of recovery time, or do we need to lighten his load when he comes back and bring in another big? I think the Lakers are going to have to think long and hard about what they're going to do. They're going to add someone, but the question is, will they add another, another perimeter guy, or do they add a big? Do they find a way? Somehow, some way to bring in Andre Drummond. Do they find? Do they put themselves? In, I, I don't know how they do it. They don't have that many tradable assets for that kind of contract. I don't know how it would happen. Um, but do they get into that mix somehow? So for the Clippers, it's going to be a backup point guard without question. For the Lakers, it sort of depends on AD. So from the Jazz perspective, to get where they want to go, they're going to have to go through Los Angeles. And it may be two teams, it may be one team, but it looks like most definitely they're going to have to go through them. How do you think that they match up when all, all three teams are healthy as far as that goes? I mean, I, I, think, I don't think there's a matchup out there for Utah that's bad. I, I, I truly don't. I mean, you have the elite guard. You have, you know elite bench play this year. You have the elite rim protector. So on the surface, there isn't a bad matchup, right, for them. What you're hoping, if you're the Jazz, I think what you're hoping more than anything else is that the standings right now, one, two, three, stay there. You don't want to play both L.A. teams. You'd like to see the L.A. teams beat each other up in the Western Conference semifinals. That's what you want. You want to play the Spurs or the Blazers or the Nuggets or the Suns in the second round. You don't want to have to go through both the Lakers and the Clippers. Let them slug it out. Let whoever emerges from that series come into the Western Conference final a little bit wounded. I think that's what you're hoping for if you're Utah. But there's, you know, matchup-wise, the Lakers are a matchup nightmare for everybody because they have LeBron. And he's still, you know, Giannis is the two-time MVP, LeBron is still a top two or three MVP candidate in this league, if not top one, and I still call him the best player, even at age 36, even in year 18. I still think he's the best player, and we all saw last year, when you dangle a championship in front of him, that guy finds another way to raise his game, as crazy as that sounds. I I don't think the Jazz have to worry about it. There's no one you point to and say they're a bad matchup, because the Jazz have everything. 
but there's a lot of teams that have everything. The Clippers, to me, will go into the playoffs with the most approved just because of the history, because of Paul George's history in the postseason, because of you know all these 3-1 leads. Can you finally break through? They're going to have to bear that weight. They will, they'll act like it won't matter. They'll say it won't matter. It will absolutely matter. So the Clippers are going to go into the playoffs with some baggage. The Lakers will go into the playoffs with some baggage because they're the defending champions. LeBron only has a few years left. They know that it's not a forever thing. They're paying all this money. Take advantage of your championship window right now. To me, the Jazz are going to go into the playoffs, if healthy, very footloose and fancy free, and say, listen, there's no pressure on us. They could be the one seed, guys. They could be the one. They could be the overall one seed. No one's still going to believe they're good enough to win it. And that's a very good position to be in when you don't have to carry that pressure. So, assuming they are able to hold on to the one seed, and you, you know, you make the point about not wanting to have to play both the LA teams. Is there anybody in the West that either uh, by improving the way you said Quinn Snyder teams always improve, or by one of these acquisitions, is there anybody in the West that, can, or maybe getting healthy guys, getting guys back healthy, that can make that jump and be a fourth team and be on on relatively the same plane as as the Jazz, Lakers, and Clippers? Well. I still think Portland, when healthy and when right, is they're a very scary group. I mean, look, they really haven't been whole much this year, and they're seven or eight games over five hundred. Um, you know, they've had questions at the five. You know, it, it, it's they're still there, and and one of these years, Dame and CJ are going to be in, become even a tougher out. They're a tough out now. I think they could be a team. That gets very scary. Um, Denver is going to figure it out. You see signs. Denver's Denver's playing better. They're obviously missing a bunch of guys right now. You know they have another guy who's elite. They have a guy who does everything. Uh, um, as Eric Spolster calls them, a Swiss Army knife. You know in Jokic. But the one team I point to and say if they went out and made a big move, I'm telling you, Golden State. As much as people don't want to hear it. I think Steph's playing the best ball of his life right now. Steve Kerr is proven in the postseason. If the Warriors go out and add a piece, I don't know who it would be. There's a lot of teams in the West that can get really good. The West playoffs, look, there's not an easy matchup for anybody. There won't be. Um, the West playoffs are going to be just hideous. They're going to be bloody. They are absolutely going to be bloody because there are a lot of good teams that could get really scary depending on how aggressive they want to get by adding the guys at deadline. He's Tim Reynolds, writes for the Associated Press, covering the NBA. Tim, thanks for coming on. A million opinions, a lot of stuff to consider. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. There's Tim Reynolds from the Associated Press. When we come back, the best of the Jazz postgame show as the Jazz win again. You'll hear from Donovan Mitchell, Joe Ingles, Rudy Gobert, and Quinn Snyder next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. The Utah Jazz do it again. Another win. Nine in a row. 20 out of 21. 
Jake Scott here to wrap it up on the best of the Jazz postgame show. Your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Jake Scott with you. The Jazz have won 20 of their last 21 games. They've tied the best stretch in Utah Jazz basketball history going back to the the Jazz team in 1997. If they win against Clips again on Friday, they will obviously surpass that mark as uh, the Jazz are playing great basketball. Uh, first half wasn't pretty, but the Jazz come out and uh, put on a clinic in the second half, outscoring the Clippers 68-45 to in half number two and end up winning uh, going away, which I feel like a broken record. It feels like we're talking about that uh, every morning in these recaps as the Jazz end up winning by 18 points, led by Donovan Mitchell's 24 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, and 4 steals. Rudy Gobert was a monster as well, 23 points, 20 rebounds for Big Rudy. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. All right, we'll get started with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Q. So even though you guys were uh, struggling offensively in the first half, it seemed like Rudy's defense was really kind of keeping you, you know, within shouting distance as it it became apparent they were kind of maybe not afraid, but hesitant to challenge him. What can you say about uh, the job that he did down low tonight, just in kind of keeping you guys within uh, within shouting range? Well, really, you know, he's been, it's what he, what he does. Um, and, uh, you know, tonight, uh, that's something we've talked about, you know, defending, um, even when we're not playing as well in the offensive end. And I thought the second half we started, pushing the ball on some of the stops we got. And as you said, he, you know, we can't take it for granted because uh, he just impacts the game. Uh, impacts it in a lot of ways. And tonight you saw it on the defensive end as well. I shouldn't Kristen say Kenny. as well. Tonight you saw it on both ends. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Building off of that coach, can you just describe his mentality? I mean, we're, we're talking about him what, tonight in the game and, just noticing that he's always playing with, with an edge, like a chip on his shoulder. Well, I, I just think he's competitive. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys uh, compete tonight. You know, Rudy's not alone. Um, and I, I think when, you know, when you're a competitive group, um, you're more urgent. You, know, you find ways to, to make plays for one another because, you know, winning's in, in the front of your mind. And, you know, there, there's games where you know, the, the box score doesn't show uh, the things that he does. Um, tonight it did. And as you said, you know, he's, he's not trying to prove anything. He's just playing and he's just competing. And, you know, that's what we, that's what we get from our, our whole group. And, you know, he can, he can lift you when he's doing that, particularly on the defensive end. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, out of my own ignorance, how, how similar is the way Joe plays now to the first time you saw him when he was in Europe and, and how much has changed? Well, I, you know, I think he, he's grown as a player. You know, I, I, it's hard to compare. Um, well, it's not hard to compare. I, I think back about, um, you know, when he was battling, you know, to get on the floor, he, he got on the floor defensively. And, you know, that's something I think, you know, it's it's hard to maintain consistency defensively, you know, as you're playing 34, 35, 36 minutes. And there, there's been a real focus on his part, um, 
you know, he can do it for He's playing more minutes right now with Mike out, but I, I think he's really purposeful on the defensive end. His pick and roll game is something, um, you know, that, that he's developed, you know, the synergy that he has with, with our bigs, with Rudy and Fave. And I, I think, um, you know, he's also really improved his finishing. And, you know, when, when you get the threat, of finishing and also of dropping the ball off to the big that that opens other things up as well. So I, I think the fact that he started to play a lot of pick and roll um, over a few years, you know, he's just gotten better at it. And he's, he's finding more people and making better reads. And um, the other thing, you know, he, he jokes about it. We joke about it a little bit now is he's just, he's not hesitated at any point on a shot and taking it in transition, taking it off the dribble. He's always been a great catch and shoot guy uh, in the half court. And I think he's really, you know, he's been more aggressive. He's taken that to heart, um, you know, and as a result, you know, it adds, I would say it adds another dimension to his game because it's there, but um, it sets up a lot of other things that he's doing. And, you know, the way that we play is, is very different from the way that, you know, they played in Barcelona when I first saw him. It was more of a half-court game. And I think the thing, you know, I don't know how old he is right now. I know he's in his 30s, um, you know, but he was an older player by, you know, comparatively when, when he got to the league. And, you know, his commitment to, to working on his game and improving, I think, is something that, you know, we feel like you can continue to get better. There's no ceiling on anybody based on their age, and that's that's what he's done. David James, KUTV. Obviously, they had to start a different kind of lineup with the guys they're missing, but how much does that group's uh, energy and the way they defended the three-point line early in the game give you guys a problem? And, and how much do you think you'll see teams try to copy that later on? Well, you know, I think teams want to take away the three. Um, they want to take away the rim. Um, and they're, they're one of the best defensive teams in the league. Um, you know, obviously, without some of their guys, um, you know, they're, they're different the same way. You know, any team is different. But, uh, you know, they, they compete regardless. And, and you know, they're, they're a really good team and they play really good defense. And that's a credit to, to Ty and their, and their whole team. Um, they're shifted, uh, you know, they're disciplined with what they do and they play really hard. So um, that combination is going to make you a good defensive team. And, you know, we're always going to have to work to try to get the things that we want and they make it hard. Last question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Going with that defense, I mean, did you guys struggled to break it down in the first half in half court. Second half, you guys got out in transition a little bit more, but even just on the half court possessions, you had more success. What what was it that led to that success in, in half court specifically? Well, I think whether it's a make or a miss, you know, pushing the ball and playing, you know, with force, it's easier to do. I, I think, you know, when you get stops because there's more, you know, possibilities there, guys run with more of an expectation that they, they may get the ball. Um, I didn't think we did that on makes or misses uh, in the first half. And as you said, I think they feed off each other. There's no reason um, that we shouldn't be running, you know, particularly our wings and our bigs. Um, 
you know, to, to, to our, to, to spacing uh, on makes as well. But if you start a possession, you know, with force and with precision in terms of your spacing, um, you know, good things happen. You can usually carry that through. And we weren't running hard enough at the start of the game. And usually that means we're not spaced well. And if we're not spaced and we're not running, you know, things are going to bog down. That's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team has now won 20 of their last 21 basketball games. They beat the Clips last night, 114-296. Of course, the Clippers did not have Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, or Nicholas Batum. But the Jazz win any uh, the Jazz win going away, even though they did not have Mike Conley. Let's get some player sound. Let's start things off with Donovan Mitchell. All right. We'll get started with Tony Jones, the athletic. Um, you know, can you talk about, you know, just how – uh, Rudy impacted you guys on both ends tonight? Uh, he was the aggressor, man. You know, I think um, just on the boards, I mean, the stats the stats show one thing, but you look at the little things, you know, sprinting down the floor, the the, the tips that he had, the finishes, finishing through contact, dunking the ball. You know, I think that's something that, you know, really set the tone. It was similar to how he played in um, – we play Bucks. You know, when he dunked on Giannis, it kind of set the tone. You know, and he did that from the jump. And I think that's that's the really we need. Uh, you know, every day and he's been doing that, man. And I think that's that's really what set the tone for us. You know, being able to hit him in the pocket, him whether it's making a play, you know, finding or finishing at the rim, finding guys for three, uh, sprinting the screens. Him and Joe have a great connection. Um, myself and him, we're continuing to find ways. You know, I missed him on the, the quick pass, but still being able to see those things and communicate that I think has been great. And um, you have 53 seconds before the TV turns off. <laughs> um, but I think that's that's really been huge. You know, I think tonight was just another one of those nights where he just dominated the glass. Um, and I think that was, that, was, that was huge for us. Chris and Kenny, Joss TV. John, the Clippers defense made you guys work for your shots, especially in that first half. What what stood out to you about their defense? They were just aggressive. You know, when you got Pat Bev, who's first team, you know, all defense, you know, for myself, you know, him, him, him stripping the ball early, you know, picking up full court. Like, I think that's um, – that really set the tone for them. They feed off of that. He feeds off of that. So just being able to be patient, take our time, and play through that. And you saw it, you know, their teams have been – if you look at the early game of the season, teams have done that, and you kind of didn't know how to react or how to do it. But I think now we're starting to get to a point where we start to um, – we're starting to, you know, figure out how to just play through the contact. Uh-oh. Yeah, I can still think Okay. Um, but, yeah, play through contact, you know, be able to make the right decisions. And I think it's just one of those things we haven't seen in a while and, you know, just kind of getting through, used to it and playing through it. But um, they did a really good job being physical, and we did a really good job of, you know, finding ways to, to go around and pushing the pace more, making them run back, uh, I think it was huge. Sarah Todd, Desert News. Don, uh, we found out today that Quinn Snyder is going to be the – uh, coach for the all-star game. Um, I know that a lot of, you know, the team's success is the reason that he'll be there, but how happy are you for him to actually kind of get to partake in the festivities? Oh man. You know, for coach, man, you know, I, I, I love coach. You know, I think this is, this is well-deserved. Um, you look at, you know, obviously we, we score, we do all these different things, but he, he writes the stuff down. He's the one that emphasizes it. Yeah, we go out and play, but you know, we're a really well-coached team. Um, I think that's something that really stands out. Um, and, you know, coach gave me an opportunity um, and I, will, I, I, I love him for that. And, you know, just teaching me little things, little attention to detail, um, just finding ways, you know, to get the best out of each, each individual player. 
man never sleeps. <laughs> uh, he's, he's always up during quarantine before the bubble. I can't tell you how many times we had conversations just about schemes and, and what we, what I see, what he sees, how I can be better, how we can be better as a team, how to go out there and do it uh, in the bubble. Um, continuous times where he, we finish a game, he's right in the room watching the next game, watch game right for the next game. Um, season's over. Sending me clips, came coming coming to see me and talk to me just about what he sees, you know, going forward for this upcoming year. And, and I think, you know, and I'm not the only one. He's seen other guys and talked to other guys, but the amount of effort that he puts into his craft is is, is truly incredible. Um, I got all the respect and the love in the world for him, man. You know, and he's just, just this is truly deserved, and I'm I'm really happy for him. And I know I wouldn't say he doesn't care, but it's not like his ultimate goals. Ultimate goals of championship, but that. That feeds that we feed off of that, you know. He's like, you know, he hasn't brought it up once. Like, I mean, nor should he, but like, he, nor would he. But, you know, he's just a guy that's just continuously ready for the next thing, ready for the next challenge, ready for the next thing. And, you know, he won't he won't ever say. But I, I he's 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 the best coach in the league, in my opinion. You know, just a guy who can, who goes out there every night, you know, competes in his own right. You know, whether it's not physically on the floor, but he's competing mentally, finding ways to get better, get the best out of his players, the video guys. Um, the the trainers, the coaches, I, and um, I got nothing but, but love for coach, and I'm happy for him. Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Donovan, I know it's pretty cliche. They say it about guys when they see the ball go through the hoop that the next one gets easier. But I mean, you were two of ten, and then you did hit that like 15 footer, 18 footer. What what does that feel like when you're struggling and you hit a jump shot? Does it feel like it gets easier? Um, I think the biggest thing is not really thinking about, oh, I'm two for 10. That's where it starts. You know, when you start, you know, kind of going there, that's when you start to hesitate. That's when you lose confidence in your shot. You know, two of 10 can turn into 12 or 20, you know, in a heartbeat. You know I mean? Like, that's how I look at it. You know, I, I know some people may don't, some people do, but like, that's how I continue with my team. They need me to, to, to be aggressive, be in attack. And some decisions, you know, you wish you can take back some shots to just in and out. Some shots that I normally make, which is short. You know, I'm getting the looks that I want in certain instances. Now it's just about hitting them. Um, and that's really where my mindset was. And then once you got, once I got to the mid-range, I started just taking it. You know, they were taking what they gave me. You know, instead of driving into to Surge and Zubac for no apparent reason, just take the open shot. And um, that was what's there and that got me going. And then, you know, once I get there, finding guys and continue to make plays. But the game becomes easy. But, you know, I think the biggest thing is like – no matter if I miss eight in a row, ten in a row, like I'm going to continue to do what I do because that's that's what the team needs me to be aggressive, you know. And if I think about how many shots I've missed, that affects the next three quarters, you know. I could have easily said, all right, let me just chill out, you know, and, and and stop shooting or be hesitant. It takes me out of what I do. It takes takes away from what we do as a team, and um, that's not who I am. Last one, Chris and Kenny. Hey Don, just have a follow up about Rudy. Can you just describe the edge? that he has, that he plays with? Yeah. Um, I think I, I've gone to say, and I've talked about Royce, I've talked about um, Joe in the offseason, but he's a guy as well. You know, he took that game seven loss personally, too. We all did. And, you know, I think for him, we, he found something in the playoffs. You know, I think with him playing the way he played, uh, he found it, whether it was, you know, catching the ball more or being able to finish through contact, being even more of a dominant force on the defensive end. You know, we see it, you know, and he's, he's hungry, he's communicating, he's talking. And, you know, that's that's the Rudy we need, you know, to be to be in the lead team. And he's been doing that, you know, and then some, you know, and that's that's I think that's something that stands out to me every day. You know, he wakes up and he he's works hard every day, works hard, puts his puts the work in and continues to be trying to be the best player he can be. Um, and I think that's something that, you know, 
translates in, in, into his game that you guys are starting to see. You know, he's had 20 and 20 games before, but I don't know if y'all can agree. I think this is, these have been his best, you know, if I, if I, as a whole. You know, I think that's something that's just, from my personal opinion, these have been his best 20, 20 games, 18 and 16, and he's doing it against top-level competition. And I think that's something that, you know, stands out because he's a dominant force on the defensive end, but where he's really picked it up is being patient, finishing around the rim, catching, make the right decisions. And I think that's what's helping us get to the next level. There's Donovan, 24 points, 7 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 steals. Monster game from Donovan. Did it on 9 of 22 shooting. You heard he had a lot of good things to say about Rudy Gobert right there. So let's uh, check in with Rudy. Hey, Rudy. We'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. What did unlock you guys offensively? I think Joe was actually part of it, but you guys figured out the offense second half um, against their ball pressure. What what opened that up from your point of view? I think you really started from a... From the defensive end, our physicality, you know, they were they were really aggressive in the first half and uh, they were just playing harder than us. And regardless of who we play, you know, we can we can't really let that let that happen if we want to be the, the team that we want to be. Yeah. Second half, uh, we picked it up and uh, and uh, by being more aggressive defensively, we became more aggressive offensively and uh, we we shared the ball and we were able to, you know, get great shots at the free throw line, the threes and the rim. Sarah Todd does right dance. Rudy, I know that you've talked a lot about how much uh, Quinn means to you in the past and how much it meant to uh, have him there when you made the all-star team. And I'm just wondering what your feelings are now, knowing that he's going to be able to coach the all-star team. I mean, it's a, it's a great feeling, you know, when you, when you look back since, since Quinn got here seven years ago, uh, you know, where we started and, you know, obviously we're not we're far from finished, but you know the 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 road uh, has never been you know, never been easy. But we we went through a lot, and uh, be able to have Queen coaching All Star game, you know, is a it's a blessing, and I think it's a it's just a reward. You know, it's just a reward of you know how he, he changed this franchise, and uh, you know, and uh, I think we all you know we all appreciate it. Okay, last question, Maxime. Yes, I, I really. Uh, so, wh- how do, how do you uh, wh- which uh, part of, of your game could you improve uh, after a game like this? Um, I mean, there's always room to improve. You know, I think uh, you know I missed one free throw, and uh, you know I think in the first half, you know, there's two. There's always room to improve. You know. Uh, I'm gonna watch film and then see what I, what I can do better. But I missed a few easy stuff under the rim, and and uh, there's always things that are uh, both defensively and offensively that uh, you know I can do better to help my team. Rudy Gobert, 23 points, 20 rebounds, the fourth time in his career he's gone 20 and 20. And the Jazz have won all four of those games as the Clippers were staying home on the three point shooters, and Rudy Gobert made them pay. Let's now wrap things up with uh, Joe Ingles. All right, we'll start with Tony Jones, the athletic. Oh, I just gonna hold this thing myself. What's up, Joe? Um, Joe, can you get can you give us an, an antidote on, you know, just you know how, how effective a coach Quinn is? You know, something that that you'd feel comfortable sharing with us. Um, <laughs> man, um, do you say how good of a coach he is? You know, just how well he relates to you guys in the locker room, 
Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, he's the, he's the best coach I've ever had. Um, him and him and Brett Brown are my go-tos on that question or answer. Um, and, I mean, it's – I think it's, I mean, it's different for everybody. Uh, I think your, your relationship with your coach, I, I think for, for me, um, obviously we're, we're close. Um, and that started, I mean, I met him when I was playing in Barcelona. It was, it was the first time. And um, I mean, just the, he's very relatable. Uh, I think he's a player's coach. I think he, he obviously, he, he cares for, for each one and everyone that's, that's been here over the seven years. Um, and I think that's one of the, 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 the coolest parts, the best parts is when you've got a coach that actually cares about you, not just as a player and, and how I can get left and how he's going to put me in a, the, the best position to do that. But to ask about your family, ask about your kids, ask about what's going on off the court. Um, obviously for, for me with the, the Jacob stuff and all that is, is something that was huge back then. So, um, the X's and O's and the, the adjustments in a game and the preparation and the, the details of, um, the development and, and stuff that, that we've kind of built over the seven years, six and a half years, um, is all cool. And, and obviously we're, we're getting kind of the benefits of a six year kind of process, but, um, yeah, I mean the off court stuff for me is, is something that is, is something I've never had. I mean, I've played in Europe, I've played for tons of different coaches, but to have someone that genuinely cares about their, their, and everyone, I mean, guys that have been traded, guys that have been cut guys that are on 10 days, like everyone that's been here, um, he, he cares about. And, and to me that that's pretty, pretty special and, and, and pretty rare, I think too. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Joe, I was just uh, hoping you could speak to the impact that Rudy had in kind of keeping you guys close uh, with his efforts on the defensive end early tonight as the offense was kind of struggling to find its footing early on. Yeah, I mean, he's huge every night. Um, uh, I think he's – it looks different when he has 20 and 20 or whatever he had. Um, obviously it makes it stand out a bit more, I think. And everyone notices obviously offensive a bit more, but, but we, we know what he does for us on a nightly basis. We know, um, I mean, he's, he's had games where he doesn't have double digit points, but he, he has such an impact on the defensive end. And I mean, he makes all of us look good at the end of the day. He's made me look like a good defender for many years. So, um, to, to be able to have someone that even with Fave there now, like you, you, you pressure, you do all this, but to know that you've got Rudy or Fave behind you, it, it makes a big difference. Uh, when he has 20 and 20, it's obviously different and he's walking in now. I'm just talking about how, how good you are. Thank you. No worries. Well, no. Um, but no, yeah, like I said, it makes a huge difference. And I think, he gets noticed more when he does have a big scoring game or a big rebound game, but we know, and he knows how much we appreciate him regardless of, of stats out there as um, the, the general fan would look at. There you go. That is Joe Ingles, 14 points, five assists, three rebounds, and uh, hoping to hear from Joe on the Joe Ingles show a little bit later on this morning, of course, with DJ and PK. 
Jazz win over the Clips, 114-96. to Up next, the Jazz take on this very same Clipper team coming up uh, tomorrow night. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 7. There's the best of the Jazz post-game show. And coming up next, what is trending? All the headlines, big night in the NBA, Utes and Cougars playing basketball tonight, Aggies lost last night. We'll get to it all next. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Rebound comes down to Morris with three seconds. Long outlet to man. He beats the Jazz down and Donovan blocks it from behind. He was going to make a layup at the buzzer and Donovan hustling his way down the tunnel, blocked it first and then headed to the locker room. Coffee driving with left hand, tries to bounce it through traffic off Gobert's leg, picked up by Clarkson. Given to Oney in the open floor, he gets it ripped away by Jackson, who saves it right back to Oney. Hands to Clarkson, clip shot no good. Loose ball rebound, Rudy has it, knocked out of his hands, Rudy recovers. Bullets it up top to Ingles. Head fakes a drive to Patterson. He flops, no whistle. Ingles retreats out, fires the three, got it! Dubok turning, driving, spiked by Gobert. Absolutely eviscerated. Here comes Donovan on the push, crossing over, driving hard to the lane, hands to Rudy. Hide the women and children. He's coming high and hard with a right hand. Hammer. 20 for Rudy. And the Utah Jazz win again. That's nine in a row. That's 20 out of 21. They beat the Clippers. Rudy Gobert, a 20-20 game again. PK, once you found out, no Kawhi Leonard. And, of course, no Paul George. We already knew that yesterday morning. Don't the Clippers basically become a 500-ish team? And don't the Jazz handle those teams pretty routinely? And isn't that what we saw last night? Yeah, I think we saw that the Jazz didn't have the intensity in the first half because they didn't need it. You were playing the Clipper JV team, which, you know, there's still some decent guys on that ball mm-hmm. club. It's not like they don't have any talent beyond those two, but clearly those two are the stars. And I'm hearing from my Los Angeles source that the Paul James, or Paul James, Paul George uh, injury is a lot worse than the Clippers want to lead, uh, let you on. So we'll see about that, how many games he's out. But yeah, the Jazz realized, all right, enough of this. We're, we're done fooling around here. And so they took it to him in the third quarter, and that was pretty much it. Yep, ran away in the fourth, ran away and hit, built a 20-point lead again, which is pretty weird given they were down five, but they can turn it on. And uh, uh, <laughs> it just... It's getting so routine here. It's really ho hum. I know, right? Nine in a row, twenty out of twenty-one. It's the question I put on Facebook. Ho hum, huh? Ho hum. We will get to that coming up next. Clippers and Jazz again tomorrow night. It's ESPN game at eight o'clock. And the other news of the day, and you just heard it in the last segment because uh, everybody's working on stories about Quinn now, and everybody's getting player reaction. Quinn Snyder, head coach of the West team in the All Star game. They haven't formally announced that there will be a game. We're assuming it's going to be March 7th in Atlanta, and it won't look they like a normal All-Star weekend. Everyone's talking about it, but the league hasn't announced it, but it leaked out, and nobody's <laughs> denying it. It's the weirdest thing, but it's the weirdest thing. Everyone's season. talking about you like Draymond Green. Yes. Everyone is criticizing the Everyone <laughs> is talking about the All-Star game. I, don't, you know, I haven't heard my wife mention it at all, not even once. Everyone except PK's wife is talking about <laughs> it. Mrs. Honey's K. talking about it? Now, my wife would have a better chance of talking yeah, she, about it than no, Honey. No, she actually asked me last night because it came up during the broadcast and she was sitting there watching the game with me. Oh, she, uh, were you holding hands? No, we were not. 
Oh, back in the day, you would have when you were watching the Gauchos. You know you would have. <laughs> watching the Gauchos. BigWestTV.com. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Joel turns, faces, holding that pivot foot with the left foot. Now makes a move down low, spins it in the middle, puts it up with a jump hook and in. Clutch hoop by Embiid. Zach with the touch, fakes right, goes left, steps back, left side, three. Bam! Big time onion, Zach Levine. Steph holding high up top on the left side. Now none crowds him a bit. He's driving right over to the wing, backs it out again with a left-hand handle, crossover dribble, fires a contested three. Oh. Cash me out one time. Dame walks it across the timeline. The shot clock at 18. Blazers down one. Dame takes off, dribbles, drives. He's bumped. He throws it up and banks it in. Damian Lillard has an opportunity for a three-point play as he gives the Blazers the lead with 16 and a half seconds remaining. Damian Lillard with the big hoop there, the three-point play, the final points of the game as it turns out. Portland wins again. They beat New Orleans. Blazers 126-124. There's some curious stuff at the end of that game, PK. How do you feel about Lonzo Ball taking taking a deep three? Down two with 10 well, seconds I'm to go. Not as good as if it's a shorter three. Uh, what are you doing, Pelicans? Zion he, was Williams he open? Finished with 36 in the loss. Was he open? Yeah, sure. But it's, mm, 27-footer? I don't know. I mean, they leave you open for a reason, don't they? Uh, you there was still time open. to go get a better shot. It was a two-point game. I don't know. They got the offensive rebound, and they missed another shot. So, Man, well, What difference does it make yeah, for New Orleans? I mean, they, I, I would rather have guys have confidence and miss than be tentative. Because once you're tentative, you've got no shot to go, go in. Um, that's the way I look at it. So Alonzo Ball didn't get to the league because of his shooting. He's probably going to be traded at some point. He's sort of a journeyman player, but... I mean, it's New Orleans. They're the new Minnesota. Yes, man, they're going to be really good some uh, very soon. The Denver Nuggets get beat by the Washington Wizards, 130-128. to Bradley Beal wins it. Free throws with a second left. The Nuggets sending guys to the line multiple times down the stretch, trying not to foul a three-point shooter. And wasted a, uh, a big night by Jamal Murray. Jokic had a big night, too. But Murray was hot down the stretch with 11 points in the last three minutes. A couple of big threes in the final minute, but... Can't get it done. Wizards get the win. Any other games you would like to discuss? The Warriors escape. They beat the Heat again. They get the, beat the Heat 120-112 to in OT. Heat had a chance to win that game at the buzzer and missed the shot. Paid in OT. They're all games to me. Yeah. Steph Curry, 5 of 20 from 3. There's a stat line you don't see every day. Cleveland Cavaliers coach J.B. Bickerstaff said that nobody's opinion should be muted about the decision by the franchise to bench big man Andre Drummond while they seek a trade for him. Obviously, there's conversations we've had with our guys as far as this process goes that everybody's not privy to. But again, guys have a right to speak their voice, and organizations have to do what's best for the organization. I think that's kind of how it works, and it shouldn't be a two-way street, so to speak. Hmm, He's got a future in TV, man. There it is. (laughs) Right down the middle. (laughs) Everybody's not privy. Well, he doesn't have the cachet to be criticizing Draymond Green. Let's call it like it is. And you can't. Draymond Green's on the right side of history. So you just can't. There's a line of thinking in the NBA that is completely uh, 
I don't want to say necessarily acceptable, but you are able to voice that with very little blowback. If you go over here now and say something, whoa, we don't know what over here is because nobody's done it because they can't. <laughs> Because if they could try, I, could I they will there? just be blacklisted. Maybe, but I don't want to find out. So right. I don't, but over go, here... You go over there first. You can say pretty much whatever you want. Popovich, Kerr, blah, blah, blah. And you just keep rolling. And Bickerstaff, yeah. you know, he hasn't won nearly enough to be saying what he really wants to say here. Andre's not good enough. Deal with it. Well, that... No, I think it's more towards uh, Draymond. Like, shut the hell up. You don't know what you're talking about here. That's what I was We've, thinking. Ah. W- yeah. I mean, DJ's not going to say that. Come on. But that, what he's saying is that we've we've already done all these conversations with Dr- Andre Drummond here and everything, and you're just popping off because you're bored and your team isn't very good, so you're not getting the attention that you're used to when you're winning seven Now games. we're getting to the heat of the matter right there. <laughs> yes. If his team was better and he was getting attention because of, you know, the race with the Jazz for the one seat or whatever, would he be saying all this stuff? Or no, he'd be talking not. about how good the team is, the race, guys coming back and getting healthy, the young guys fitting in. Maybe not, but I, I got to say that Draymond makes me think when he speaks. And so I would encourage him to speak because he does make me think. But isn't that, isn't a lot of what he's, if we're going to get into what he's talking about, what he's complaining about, the reason people don't come down on it completely, even though people do get tired of Draymond going off. I think that's the biggest thing is like, oh, Draymond's going off again. But it's like, there's a fundamental imbalance between being an employee and being an employer. Now, that imbalance looks different in sports because players can be traded, you know, and so that's kind of unique. Um, You don't see accountants traded you don't see teachers traded, but there's a fundamental imbalance between being an employer and an employee. I mean, there is, but I also think the average uh, worker, U.S. dude, gal, looks at they the get turned off because of the amount of money. Yes. Yeah. And, and you can retire at 32 and never have to work again if you've handled your money correctly. I mean, we've read stories. And I, I have a, a, a friend of mine's brother played in the NBA you know that's what he did mm-hmm. and so handle his money correctly and you're good to go and the teacher has to work 45 years <laughs> so I think there's that thing it would and you don't want it to have to come down to money but money's the th- it comes down to everything every all the time people, people look go. at it and they go oh man shut up you're making tw- Andre Drummond who's a decent player my guess is he's making over 20 mil a year All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Utah State loses at Boise State 79-70 as a one-point game with five minutes to go, 65-64. But the Broncos controlled the final five minutes. They finished the game on a 14-6 run, and they survive a massive game from Nemesh Keita, 32 points. 10 rebounds for Kata. Those are huge numbers in a 40-minute college game, but they survive them, and now the Broncos have first place in the Mountain West, at least until Friday when the two teams play again. Well, it sets up a huge showdown Friday, that's for sure, and that's, I agree, it was exactly, that was a good game. You know, it was back and forth. No team was really ahead in terms of 
wow, they've got this game until the end. Uh, the Aggies had a tough time hitting a shot at the end. They particularly hit a three-pointer. Just couldn't find one to, to really put the pressure on at the end. But Boise guess is better than we think. You know, I don't watch them very much, I'll be honest. Uh, I did see them play against BYU. Saw them play a lot last night, particularly the first half until the Jazz game started. Then it was flicking back and forth. But the Aggies had their chances, so they got to regroup and have this opportunity on Friday. College Hoops tonight. BYU is playing Pacific, 6 o'clock, CBS Sports Network. That game's in Stockton. Three conference games left for BYU. The Utes, it's a, it's a crazy week here. They're going to play uh, Oregon State tonight, Oregon on the weekend. Both those games are on the road. And then they come back to make up a game that they missed with Oregon State earlier this year on Monday night at home. So Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon State, Thursday, Saturday, Monday. And Oregon State... Uh, a lot like the Utes, or record-wise. The Utes are six and seven. Oregon State six and eight in conference play. Yeah, it, it, you know it's hard to get a, a gauge on so many of these teams because they've got players coming and going and games missed and all that. It's 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 so ragged. Just the opportunity to get out there and play some ball, I think, is the most important thing. You know, neither of these teams are going anywhere. I wouldn't think. But get them out there to play some basketball. And for the Utes, you know, if they don't have guys transfer, they'll bring everybody back. And uh, so well, we'll see about that. I mean, it seems like every year they have guys transfer. So I can't say that they won't this year. Or Allen make himself available if he's NBA uh, material. Possibly. It looks minimally. It looks like he's G League material. Uh, maybe has an opportunity in the right situation to make a team. Who knows? I'm not going to count him out. But uh, well, that's an off-season decision, obviously. So I'm just glad that they can get back out on the floor. I've been saying this is somewhat of a broken record now. Big Sky action. Uh, Sacramento State uh, is at Southern Utah. And your Northern Arizona Lumberjacks are at Weber State. Oh, I'll be going that game decked out in my blue and yellow. Yeah. SUU, Weber State, Idaho State uh, in a virtual tie for second place. A game and a half behind Eastern Washington in the Big Sky Race. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. NCAA extended the recruiting dead period through May 31st. So there will be over a calendar year with no in-person recruiting being allowed in all sports. You have whole recruiting classes here, which if you're not going, I mean, if you're going to a local or regional school, maybe you, maybe you took a trip and you've been on campus, but a lot of kids will also be going to schools that they've never been to PK and haven't done that whole face-to-face. It's a very different deal now. I don't know about that. I don't know how many kids have not gone to the actual school. I mean, I don't think there's going to be armed guards at the border if you want to. No, you can do those self, those self-funded trips, but yeah. So, but you can't say that there's going to be many who haven't been to the school that they're going to. I don't know that. I, I, I really have no idea how many of those kids actually are going to have that situation. I'm sure there's some. There's some in everything. I was telling Yach earlier this morning, the Devils got a commitment from a safety from Hannondale. Now, that is the legendary location of the three, three Utes who came west. Moss and Huntley and... Simpkins, so uh, must be a really good uh, football program. They got a commitment, and his best buddy is interested. So the Devils going in and shutting out that pipeline to SLC. How about that? Annandale <laughs> getting their hooks into Florida. Well, you got to go somewhere because you ain't getting the local kids. 
The Nebraska-Illinois game scheduled for August 28th in Dublin, Ireland will not be played in the Emerald Isle this year due to the pandemic. They're going to play that in Champaign, Illinois. Never mind not going to Ireland for the big crowd. That's too bad. Too bad for the kids because my guess is not a lot of them have been to Ireland. It's one of the places I need to go and, and walk the turf in which my grandfather walked. There's two countries over there in Europe. I got one who came from Italy and the other who came from Ireland, both of their names are on the wall at, uh, at the island there in New York, which is actually in New Jersey, the waters, if you go technically Ellis Island there. So uh, I, the, the, game, the game's the game, but an opportunity to get a free trip and to experience something that you haven't experienced, it's unfortunate that you can't get that opportunity. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. He reiterated that to us, that he wants to continue to play. And we we told him, quite frankly, we have to look at this current situation. With Ben's current uh, cap number, um, some adjustment will have to be made. And what will that adjustment be? You were just talking about how it's all about the money. Roethlisberger says he's willing to take a big cut. Yeah. The $41 million, will he cut it in half? Will he cut it by a quarter, three quarters, two-thirds? What's it going to be? And then I've, I've read the whole line of thinking that Mason Rudolph is in the last year of his deal, and they want him to play for a year to figure out if they should keep him and he's the guy or not. He ain't it. <laughs> oh, they also got the other he guy, uh, Haskins, that they just signed. Yeah, yep. Dwayne Haskins as well. By the way, coming out just this morning, literally minutes ago, the salary cap floor this year was supposed to be $175 million. The NFL just announced it would actually be $180 million, so an extra $5 million per team. Sweet. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I don't know. I mean, he's been around for a long time. You know, is he another Tannehill? You get an opportunity look good but yox obviously yox says no <laughs> yox strikes down his career i know mason rudolph is uh, i just saw he's dating some tennis player mm-hmm. who's on the tour so good for him i think that uh, roethlisberger will probably come to some type of agreement because it seems like man he really is mr pittsburgh when you think of pittsburgh quarterbacks you're going to think of bradshaw and roethlisberger am i missing anybody neil o'donnell cordell okay. stewart come on Okay, Mark Malone. I mean, there's obviously <laughs> been guys. There's been guys who've played quarterback. Uh, those Super Bowl, those, those Super Bowl victories set those two guys aside. But Roethlisberger has been an institution yeah. in Pittsburgh. It's amazing. Good for him. Yeah. So I would think that he would just as soon finish it out there. I mean, you you look at Pittsburgh and and you look at their their coaches in our lifetime, right? They just had three coaches, and then. Basically, in our lifetime, they've had two quarterbacks. That's exaggerating a little bit, but uh, Roethlisberger has been there for so, so long. 2004, he got the gig. And now, here yeah. we sit going in 2021, debating whether a, he's going to get another year or not. That's that's just incredible. Former NFL wide receiver Vincent Jackson may have been suffering from chronic alcoholism and concussions at the time of his death earlier this week at the age of 38, according to his family. He knew something was up. It was pretty unusual way everything was described there. And, you know, is that what it is? And the family clearly thinks it is. So, and well, it seems like that. in the NFL, every, I don't know what the duration would be, few years, couple years, there's a story that surfaces like this. Yep, you're right. And I think a lot of people draw it back to concussions and CT. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, that's that's where it that's comes the back. story, right? Yeah. DJ and PK.
Hashtag Major League Baseball. The pitch to Tatis is swung on and hit out to deep right field. It is up and out a grand slam for Fernando Tatis Jr. The pitch is in the air deep towards right field. Fowler going back onto the warning track. Looking up, gonna go! He did it again! Fernando Tatis Jr. with his second home run in his many innings. Well, that paid off literally, PK. It literally paid off. (laughs) Great news. 14 years. $340 million for Fernando Tatis Jr. He's 22 years old. What I wouldn't give to be Fernando Tatis the third. (laughs) The fourth, (laughs) the fifth. This is incredible. You know, not so much the annual because the annual comes out to what, about 24-ish? Somewhere there, give or take a little bit. Uh, So the, the annual salary, there's guys making more than that. But the 14-year deal is like, oh, my goodness, man. This is unheard of. But for the Padres to do this, and in, I, I believe I have to, I'd have to look at the, the contract, but in baseball, these things are guaranteed. Yeah. And he is a phenomenal player. I go back to that time, what was it, two, three years ago, I saw him in spring training, and he scored from first on a single. And he wasn't running. It wasn't like he was stealing. Is it the flair that he plays with, the talent that he has? It's just absolutely amazing. He's uh, he's not homegrown because they, I think they was he was involved in the White Sox yep. deal with James Shields. But you know he his dad played in the bigs as we know, and so he has extensive experience in the U.S., which means his English is excellent. So I mean he can be basically what Ortiz and Pedro were to Boston. He can be that type of Dominican player, a foreign guy, and he's somewhat of a – I mean, he is a foreigner, but it's somewhat mitigated as opposed to Martinez and Ortiz literally were from and and grew up in the Dominican and all that. So Fernando does have a lot of experience in the U.S., but still, he is a Dominican. Let's not mistake that. And he can be that type of franchise guy in the way Tony Gwynn was. Now, Tony Gwynn will be the first love, and you never replace the first love, just like with the statues here, but you can build upon it for sure. And this has this opportunity. And, I mean, I'm going to San Diego to see if I can get some money because it seems like everybody's getting it. <laughs> the, uh, I saw a story last night that the, they've got uh, $820 million or something like that committed to the infield. Like, who are oh, you? Oh, just guys? on the one side of the been, infield. Well, that's where most there, of it is. Five, that's that's about five hundred million across yeah. one side. Yeah, of the, it, yeah, the left side, short and third, are getting the big, big money because Machado. He's they've spent a billion dollars. Yeah, he's not missing a payday. And this is so not the Padres' way and you of keep doing saying business. That I mean, you it's can, unbelievable. But it's PK. today. It's I know not, it is. I know it is. And it's this owner and the other owners. You know, so different. Forget whatever. That. But it's still a shock to you. The live system. in the past. It's a no, shock. It's, it's, not, it's not a shock to the system. It is. When you add Darvish, when you add Snell, when you add Machado, when you add Hosmer, it may be a shock to your system, but it's not the shock to anybody's system who's following it. They've it literally look never done to, this before. And, didn't, and can name you the starting lineup from 1984, but couldn't name you anybody from 1997. So, I mean, that, I get that. Actually, that, that's, that's the one time in that mid to late 90s that they actually did a little bit of this. Okay, and well, now the numbers are way bigger. This is, and, and I saw a thing on uh, fan dual sports or something. They have a 91% chance of making the postseason second only, only, not uh, second only, which means nobody else is ahead of them except one team, and that's the Dodgers. Yep. 
Not even the Yankees. Turned on MLB Network last night uh, in between all the basketball watching to see if they were saying anything about it, and they were breaking down the Yankee pitching rotation. Well, it, it might have been taped. I know. Dave. I know, but I want them to break into programming. This is the Padres. It's important. Let's go. Well, they put the. I watch MLB Network just about every day in the winter, and what they do is a lot of their programming is live during the day, and then they rerun Re- it at tonight, night. Yeah. So watch today, and I'm sure they'll be talking about yes. it. Toronto Blue Jays are going to play their first two home stands of the regular season at their spring training facility in Florida. And then we'll see where they go from that. Obviously, the Raptors are playing their whole season in Tampa Bay, so we'll see where it goes. But they that's how the Blue to Jays Salt are Salt Lake, starting. man. <laughs> come on. They played in Buffalo last year. Why not come to Salt Lake? I mean, I, I, that, that stadium is just absolutely awesome. We've all been there. Tim Tebow announced his retirement from baseball after five years with the Mets organization. Made it to AAA in 2019. Good for him. He sold a lot of tickets in a lot of minor league parks. And he lives out a dream. Who cares that he didn't make it to the big leagues? If you told me that when I was a senior in high school that I could play for another five years and I would make it to AAA, you'd have been pumped. My goodness. (laughs) You'd have been pumped. Oh, and also you get to win the Heisman Trophy. Well, that's That's beside the point. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where his money's going to come from. It'd be a first round draft pick in the NFL. Yeah, well, yeah, of course that. But I'm talking about my love of baseball. I mean, I, I couldn't even watch a baseball game for about 10 years. I was so heartbroken because I sucked, and the game was stripped from me. I didn't leave the game. The game left me, and he got to do it for another f- for five years. Good for him. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up next, PK already mentioned it, the question of the day. Ho, hum. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. <laughs> the, big show. the Big Show with Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Quinn made this comment about Royce O'Neal's in his second year as a starter and his second year as a defensive stopper, and he's really learned from both of those. Playing as a starter is different, so he's learning how to be the fifth best offensive player on the floor. There's a role to that because you're defended differently, and what are you going to do? And so he's begun to understand how to do that. And he's now guarding Jason Tatum for the third time, Giannis for the third time, Jimmy Butler for the third time. And you just get better at it. You learn their tendencies. You know what they're doing. Royce's evolution and improvement this year is a real story. Our fan base sure loves a like, if Jordan wins six, man, we might put a statue next to Stockton alone. Well, shouldn't Royce be up for most improved? Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes or Toast is brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. Jazz win again. That's nine in a row. It's 20 out of 21. The Jazz are now 24-5 and five on the season, two games in front of the Lakers. They're winning about 83% of their games, and that's even with a 4-4 four and four start. It is unbelievable. Oh, wow. It has been nonstop winning, and the question of the morning is all this winning getting ho-hum. And let me tell you, PK, there's a lot of volleyball fans here because that question got spiked. That question got pounded into the sand at Manhattan Beach. Well, I'm just a Libro. I just set it up. Michael said, those that consider this winning commonplace probably weren't here when we were losing. Mm, Probably they were. 
I wonder how many jazz fans are Johnny brand Cole new. Jazz fans. <laughs> it yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't seem like very many, right? I think there would be guys like me to where I'm, you know, I've moved around. I've lived on both coasts. I live in Arizona, four different states, right? A lot of pro teams where I've lived. And, like, take for the Angels, for example. I've followed the Dodgers since I was, like, 14 because I said I moved to Phoenix and the Dodger games were on the radio, so I spent a lot of time listening to them. And then I moved to L.A. And then, and then maybe it's a little unusual for me because at any given time during the summer, I could they post a schedule and I could be covering an Angel game because there were so many games. I was not the regular writer for the Angels, but those guys needed time off. And so I would be a fill-in dude. A lot of us were fill-in dudes for baseball because of the fact that there's so many games, right? You wouldn't need a fill-in dude for the NFL. The Raiders and Rams were there when I was there. Uh, so you, you had to at least be have some working knowledge. But because I lived in the area, you end up just naturally following them. doesn't necessarily mean you're a fan in terms of wow, I really root for them and I live and die by them, but you follow them because you live in the area in that regard. So I wonder how many folks here who've moved here, because we have had a lot of folks move here, at least have a working knowledge of the Jazz and follow them. And so from that perspective, you can be considered a fan because there's different levels of fandom. You don't have to be black and white. You know what I mean? You can be some sort of a great, well, I follow it, but, and I, and, you know, I like to see them win. It's fun and all. But I don't really live and die by it like the true hardcore fan who grew up here does. Well, we, we hear Ryan Smith talking about the tech companies right, and all the hiring thinking. they're doing and bringing people in. So you know there are people who've moved here yeah. in the last and year you're a sports two or three. Fan. And there hasn't been a lot of losing in the last four years. It's been a playoff team. So yeah, you have some working knowledge. But a lot of those people who move in, though, it's like you, they, they come with their and, – and man, when you live in the Sun Belt, and I haven't lived in Florida, but I assume it's the same way there, uh, certainly in San Diego and Phoenix, there are so many people who move there, and they keep their fandom with wherever they, they come from, you know? And so it's uh, – Yeah, know, but at the Cubs same time, like my everywhere. sister's kids, there's so many people who move there and, and then, then their kids, kids there. Yeah, right. Yeah, you get to the same so generation, the, it's different. I, I think that deal. flushes out. You go to the Valley, and there's plenty of Cardinal fans and whatnot because they have yeah, their parents moved there, but they didn't. They they That's all they know. And so they don't have that moving around. So I think that, I, you, you say that, but I think that's somewhat of a, an ancient story in that there's so many who have now been there for so long and had kids and even grandkids that that's what they do. Uh, here, not as much, but in those other places, definitely. And Ryan Smith talks about it, and he's on Twitter, about the growth and the and the tech companies coming here and all that, and that's proven out to be true. He tweeted out something yesterday or the day before about the best uh, basically uh, working economies, I guess. I'd have to go back, and Provo was number two. If not number one, Provo was number Lake one. And Ogden were in there. Provo, how about that? All you people who crack on Utah County, you and owe us an apology. <laughs> you owe us an apology, Senator. You owe me an apology. There's <laughs> a Godfather line for everything. <laughs> you owe yeah. me an apology, Senator. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You you make fun of that place, and that place is booming. So I would think that if you're a sports fan, you come into town, and you at least have some working knowledge of what's going on. And maybe over time, the Jazz court sort of 
maybe uh, bring you in to a degree. They're a story, man, and it's a great story. Who doesn't like the underdog story? Now, I don't happen to think these guys are underdogs, but the market is has a rep of the underdog, which, as you know, Dennis Lindsay and I, have we have been on a mission now for several years, and we're conquering that. We're chipping away, and now it's, it's not chipping away. We're taking huge boulders and knocking it down. <laughs> To where that's that that is just becoming obsolete. I guarantee you that if they make a trade or some form of acquisition here at the trade deadline, whoever it is, and they say you go live in Utah, there's just no way they're going to be pumping their fists and saying I get to go live in Utah because the Jazz have everything that they need. They got this young hip owner. Come on, man. What more do you want? So those days are gone. But yet, it's still the perception of this place that's out in the middle of nowhere and all that stuff. And to a degree, it is. But they're not out here to be doing anything but basically living your life and and playing winning basketball and getting paid a whole heck of a lot of money to do it. Who wouldn't like that? Jazz fans are fully embracing this. David says Portland's five and a half games back and Denver's eight and a half games back. Heck, it's been a lot of fun. Heck, it's been a lot of fun, PK. Why did he go to those two teams? Uh, I don't know. He doesn't explain it. <laughs> uh, maybe he's got friends or relatives who root for them. Uh, Portland isn't a team the Jazz have seen in the playoffs in a long time. Now, they're teams the Jazz have chased. I mean, Denver, I get, because they just beat them in the playoffs last year, but... Well, Denver's playing themselves right out of anything that matters. That's why I, I, talking about what Jamal Murray did in the bubble is a waste of time. It was a fluke. I was watching, uh, uh, what was it, some form, some one of the talk shows yesterday, and, and Kendrick Perkins, who just cracks me up the way he delivers his stuff, was saying that uh, Murray has been a massive disappointment. 19 points a game isn't nearly enough. He needs to be in the 25-26 range. And it... it he couldn't back up. Good for him. He had the performance back there when the shooting background and everything, nothing changed and whatnot. And, but he obviously hasn't come close to matching it. I don't want to say he's a fluke because he's still a pretty good player, but he's not the player at that level. That was a fluke. Even when he gave him one game of it last night, they messed it up. And it's only one game. And their team is just not as good. That that's, the that's line. you gotta yeah you gotta underline that. I mean I'm not gonna just crack on Murray here completely. Uh, the reason why he needs to be at 26 to go Perkins's line is because the team isn't as good. If the team was better, then maybe he wouldn't need to go for 26 a game, and his 19-20 a game would be good enough. But because the team isn't as good, he's got to increase it, and he's not capable of doing that consistently. So it looks like he's underperforming when really he overperformed and this is his level of performance but now it doesn't look as good because the surrounding cast isn't as good that's some freaking deep analysis right there that you're not getting any freaking where else no deep analysis this question man ben says they may never lose again this is fun it is fun bobby loving every minute of it sing it pk Loving every minute of it. Loving every minute. Uh, well, I said on Sunday, that's the question we need to ask. Will this team lose again? And you scoffed at me. I remember. I do you scoff. You scoffed at yeah. I do scoff. I continue to scoff. I have scoffed in the past. I scoff in the present. And I will scoff in the future. 
There will well, be much I'm, scoffing when the question is, will they ever lose again? That, that's consistency. Jamal Murray doesn't have the consistency of the bubble, but in terms of scoffage, you have the consistency. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's consistency. I can't argue with that. I disagree with you, and I don't think you should scoff, but at least you're, you're consistent in your scoffability. Russell questions the question. Why would you say that? Chance winning never gets ho-hum. Well, I think it gets taken for granted to an extent. Like, we're, when they lose, we're going to be shocked, which means you took winning for granted. If they lose tomorrow, we're going to be shocked. And that means you're taking winning for granted. So I scoff at questioning the question. I don't mind helping the helper, but in this situation, I don't think you should question the question. Help the helper. Pick the picker. Do not question the question. (laughs) Hope coming with massive amounts of sarcasm. (laughs) Is all this winning getting ho-hum? Yeah, Hope says. I totally wish we'd suck. Who's with me? Well, is this Hope a female? Uh, I'll have to click on this. Uh, I'm going to guess so, but I can't tell right away. The pictures of a kid and a golf course. So prone to extreme emotions, isn't Hope? I mean, do you have to go between winning every game and sucking? <laughs> like Portland, for instance. Portland has not only treaded water, they've done better than that with their injuries. So Portland's winning. 18 and 10, that's a good record. Right? But they're not winning to the Jazz level, but they're certainly not sucking. And I'm thinking in Portland, they're thinking, wow, we get our guys back, man. We can really make a run, and we can we can make some noise yeah. in the playoffs. And they should be thinking that. One, I, would, I would encourage them to think that. Why wouldn't they? Won six in a row and eight out of nine. That's very impressive. It's a good stretch. Especially, you know, you've been so guard-oriented, and one of your, uh, your sharpshooters has been out for a good while. But Damian Lillard's getting it done. Yeah, and they moved uh, Trent Jr. in there, mm-hmm. and he's been playing yeah, well. From yeah. what I, I haven't watched him a lot, I'm just looking at box scores. Yeah, just looking at last night's box score, though, was, uh, yeah. I think, 24. Right. Yeah, and maybe they've, de- they've developed something there. And, but good for them. That, that's a good ball club that is winning a fair amount. But it's not winning to the level of the Jazz. That's the beauty of having the best record in the NBA. Well. Nobody's winning to that level. Yeah, but, I mean, you can have the best record, but it's not, not to this level be winning, though. Absolutely true. They're beyond just having the best record in the league. They're winning 83% of their games. And that, played out over an 82-game season, which obviously we won't have this year, would be, but just for sake of comparison, that'd be a 68-win season. That would be a massive win total. Easily the franchise record. Oh, they would win more than that. They might get 68 this year. No. They'll play 72 games. They've already lost five. So, oh, But uh, they can add a couple. You don't know that. You haven't seen the second half of the schedule, so you don't know that. We're just feeling so good, we'll throw you through four bonus games. All right. <laughs> Anything goes this year. <laughs> 
<laughs> got to learn That's that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> if you can schedule a college football game on Tuesday for a Saturday, anything goes. <laughs> so, uh, who's to say what's what's going to happen with the scheduling? But do you find yourself pinching yourself and thinking, man, am I in a dream here? Because we've never seen winning like this. Never. All right, we got a lot of responses that run along the lines of never exclamation point and nope, triple exclamation point. But there is one outlier and there is one person considering something that I know some of you have considered, even if you haven't spoken it aloud. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz are becoming that showpiece. The Jazz are becoming the party. Everybody barbecues a bunch of stuff and gets together for the Super Bowl, and it's a lot of fun because it's the show. That's what the Jazz are becoming. It's an event now. It's an event. Must watch TV. They play a style of basketball that not only is winning a lot of games for them right now, but, you know, the old pick-and-roll, boring Jazz teams that won a lot of games, but some people across the country, it's just boring basketball. Well, this is not boring basketball. Yeah, back to the basket, dribble the clock out, take the yeah. shot. That's not, that is not this team. I mean, cranking 40 to 45 threes a game, that's going to get people's attention really quickly. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Question of the morning. All this winning, is it getting ho-hum? Now, we got a lot of uh, Gwen, of course not. Darren, no way. Dane, nope. It's great. Dustin, all caps, never. Three exclamation points. Three, huh? Yeah. However... However, we do have Nick. It's definitely awesome. But, all caps for the butt. I do worry a little that it's smoke and mirrors once some of these teams really turn it on. And then he says, parentheses, Denver 2019. Well, well, what do we got, Denver 2019? What does that mean, that they're like the Nuggets, or did the Nuggets turn it on in 2019? Where are we going with that? So Denver in 2019 had the two seven-game series. You go back to 2019, uh, Portland, they, they won in the first round in the seven-gamer, and then Portland knocked them out in the seven-gamer. Okay. And so they had the second-best record in the West, but they didn't get to the conference final. And Portland turned it on and, and, and won a, a dramatic series. Yeah, but there, they yeah. had a bunch of youngsters. This mm-hmm. team doesn't have a bunch of youngsters. I don't worry about... Uh, once some of these teams, I don't think there are that many teams that can turn it on and beat the Jazz. But don't you think, and you have the pulse of the people, don't you think there are a lot of people wondering, okay, when the Lakers, and specifically LeBron turns it on, assuming the Lakers are healthy, that is what people are worried about. Well, he's LeBron. Right. Until he retires or shows any sign of slowing down, you should be worried. You take a look at tennis down there in Australia, right? Serena Williams loses. Osaka beats her. Well, Serena Williams, for just seemed like for the last 20 years, has been the most dominant female athlete on the planet, man. She was just, just awesome, right? And it's sort of like LeBron. 
Right, he is just the same type of deal. He's been so dominant, so awesome. Now Serena's slowing down a little bit. It's going to do nothing to tarnish the legacy, right? I mean, she's just always going to be all that. But it's clear. Well, with her and she had a baby, she got married. Uh, all those. I wouldn't have any idea how that what affects your body. Um, like I imagine it's got to have some type of impact here. So she's slowing down a little bit. So she's thirty nine. She's 39. You're supposed to slow down at 39. So there's a weakness in her game, right? But we still appreciate all that she's done. Well, LeBron, he hasn't gotten to that point yet into where we can really notice a a flaw, a, a crack, that type of thing. So until we do that, and see that, or until he does that, then of course you're going to be nervous about going up against him. Now, maybe it's going to show at some point, right? Or unless he gets out before it does show, but it doesn't seem like that's what he wants to do, and more power to him. The longer he plays at this level, at least from a basketball fan standpoint, I'm going to enjoy it because I know it's not going to be there uh, much longer. And I'm always sad when guys of his stature retire because it just means, gosh, I'm getting older. I'm getting closer to death. So I'm going to enjoy it. And at the same time, if I'm an opponent of his, I'm going to fear it. Yes. So I agree with that. Maybe this is the postseason that it shows up. I don't think so. Not based on what I'm seeing now because the intensity of the schedule in the postseason is not going to be any more than it is right now. And he's still thriving. Joseph says, this is the most fun I've had as a Jazz fan in years. The only thing, regular season, that'll make it better is to see them destroy the Lakers. That is the beast. The dragon that must be slayed. What are we, six days away now from them playing the Lakers? Yep. So, and it sucks uh, for them that Anthony Davis won't be playing, but so what? This, the game's going to count, and LeBron's going to be on the floor, hopefully. And uh, that game's here in SLC, right? Uh, so get an opportunity, maybe sneak in a few thousand more fans and not count it. Just If I just tell the ushers, hey, just kind of lose track of the count. <laughs> don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> Put him in the upper bowl. Nobody will see him on camera up there, up above the cameras. Yeah, I mean, who's going to go count, right? <laughs> the Big Cheese tweets at us, I was so confident the Jazz would win that I went to bed at halftime. Hashtag take note. All right, 8 o'clock game, so it's a little later, depending on when you have to get up. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. I always that, that game actually sort of played out pretty much like I thought it would. I thought maybe, you know, the Clippers would be able to hang for a little bit because there was no reason for the Jazz to have all-out intensity. I mean, you want to give your best effort at all times. I get all that. But really, if you don't need to, why bother and save it for another time? And so, yeah, they're down five at halftime. They were looking sluggish. uh, But then they just turned it on. It was literally like a light switch, man. And that that was fun to see. It's like Mitchell said, all right, guys, enough. Let's just get these guys and put them away. And, it's, and then Tyron Lue couldn't do anything about it. He knew. Everybody knew. And then they open up, uh, what was, was it, close to a 20-point lead? It got over 20. At one point, 22 okay. or 23, somewhere okay. in there. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that second half when they turned it on was impressive. Uh, Joe continues to do what he does. Uh, Rudy was dominant. Uh, there's no doubt about it. He was dominant. He's an absolute superstar. You got to watch him, as we said a thousand times every night. 
but it seemed like I, I like his offensive attitude. I think that, and, and I have a hard time remembering stuff and going back to last week and because you know, the games all run together. But the thing that I liked about Rudy was his body language in terms of just he didn't look as awkward going to the basket on some of the throws that he was getting, and he was looking to shoot more. And I say, have at it, man. And then when he has the dunks, he's violently dunking the ball. And I think that matters. That's what I talk about, the body language stuff. Play like you're the biggest, baddest dude out there. And I thought of all the games, Gobert, this one might have been his best in terms of that attitude and that physical presence of his. And you could see it on the defense. We see that night after night. And I love what I see with him defensively because he is in guys' heads. I don't know that I've ever seen somebody be in their head, like be in the opposing offense's heads the way Gobert is because you can just see them thinking oh no crap here's Gobert I've got to arch this thing up practically to the top of the glass and hope it falls back in or something you know because they change their shots so they're beaten before they even shoot the ball and that's cool to see but on the offensive end I thought that that was a somewhat of a different Gobert against the Clippers maybe I'm wrong but that's the what I saw uh the one that uh impressed me the most was a fast break I think it was in the second quarter uh, they were going right to left, and whoever went down, it was contested, and they, they missed it in transition, and the guy who was flying down court to clean it up was Rudy, and he got one of those violent dunks, and I'm totally with you on that. I think that energizes the teammates. It energizes the bench. Uh, there's just something about it. I mean, he's, you know, he's over seven feet tall. He ought to be able to dunk it, but just rising up and being the biggest, baddest dude, like there is literally nothing you, the little people, can do. Good luck with that. Yeah, we saw that with Shaq. He used to do that. Rudy doesn't have the girth of Shaq, obviously. Uh, but, you know, he has the height anyway, and maybe he doesn't have the strength. I don't know that. I don't know how strong Shaq could be, if anybody could be stronger than that. But I like the violent nature in which he's playing and then putting the ball up. And his free throw shooting was excellent. Nice soft touch. If it doesn't swish, get a friendly roll off the rim. So that was that was impressive too. I thought all in all, that might have been his best game of his season. DJ PK, it's ninety seven five at twelve eighty the zone. Craig Bowlerjack's coming up at eight thirty. The Joe Ingles show at nine thirty, right here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty the zone. DJ and PK brought to you in part by the warehouse. Join the big show Friday from two to six at the warehouse at eighty six West University Parkway in Orm. Price is so low it'll blow your mind. Boom. Oh, I was going to go fill in. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Boom. I'm glad I did it. All right. Got a question up here that uh, has been up for uh, a couple days now and has gotten some reaction here. Uh, we didn't get to it right when he said it, but it still rings It still rings true. I mean, I guess it doesn't ring true to everybody. But it uh, still carries some weight. How's that? Magic Johnson says the Jazz, quote, have everything you need to get to the NBA Finals, close quote. How's that for an endorsement? Well, <laughs> it's a mixed bag. How about that? I mean, on the surface, it's great. Magic is basically saying you have a really good team. Okay, that's good. Magic's five-time champion. Magic's an NBA MVP. He's a Hall of Famer. He and Larry Bird saved the league in the 80s when it was floundering in the 70s. It took off in the 80s thanks to these guys. So on the surface, that's awesome. Great. Magic is a winner. 
Winning recognizes winning. Take it. Take it and run with it. Now, maybe I'm just, you know, I'm not there when he says it. I don't know the overall tone of the conversation and everything. Everything you need to get to the NBA Finals. Well, for starters, Jazz fans don't want to go to the NBA Finals. They want to win in the NBA Finals. I mean, obviously you have to go there to win it, so yes, they want to go. But everything, if Magic said everything you need to win a championship, I mean, is it just me? Because I'm pretty sure it's not. Are you looking at the East this year thinking, whoever comes out of the West is going to beat whoever comes out of the East? Everything's got to be equal. You know, guys have to be healthy and all that, and the injuries can take a team down. We saw that happen to the Warriors a couple of years ago when Durant and Clay Thompson both went down deep in the series. So, PK, should I parse the words, or should yeah. I just go with the sentiment? Winning recognizes winning. Embrace it. Because big magic. picture, that's what it is. He magic Johnson. Right. But have everything but you need to get to the NBA yes, Finals? Yes, yes, yes. What about everything you need... To win an NBA championship. Well, you got to get there first. You don't I, even know who you're going to play. But he could say, I have everything you need to get to the second round. Yeah, I mean, you got to get there first, too. But if you say you have everything you need to get to the finals, then that's better than saying no one says they've got everything they need to get to the second round. That's the dumbest statement you've ever said. Magic lost in the finals. He knows the difference between getting to the finals and winning the finals. And he knows, he knows Jazz everything. fans want the title. So why didn't he say, have everything you need to get to win the title? Because you don't know who you're going to play. And you got the Nets over there. They're a developing team. And so you you have no idea what that's about. And he's a West Coast guy, so he's probably watching the West way more. I think this is a huge compliment, and you're trying to downgrade it. First of all, football, as Charles Barkley would say, (laughs) you don't ever downgrade Magic Johnson, or I'll punch you in the face. I'll do like Joe Biden said. If we were in high school, I'd take him back behind the shed, and I'd beat as you know what. Yeah! But let's come together. But So he knows about all that stuff here. So it's all about getting to the final. That's the goal. And once you get there, you readjust the goal. So I think this is a major compliment that he's playing, that he's paying the Jazz. You don't need, you have no clue who's going to come out of the West, but you know about, excuse me, the East, but you know about the West. And you know the top dogs. And to say you've got, because if you've got the ability to get to the final, not always, but most of the time, it's understood you've got the ability to win it all. Now, there's been some sweeps and some lopsided finals, and particularly from the Laker perspective, right? They've, they haven't they worked a few teams uh, over time, four, four or five games, and that's been it. Yep. So not all finals are hard fought right down to the end. Some are, and as a basketball fan, that's what I want. So I think, to me, it's understood. I think you're nitpicking. This is what you do. This is why Honey calls me up and says, how do you do it all these years? And I say, Honey, well, I'm I used to call her sweetie. And I say, you know, I just, I'm like you, man. I say right back at you. How do you deal with it 24-7 minus the time that we're together in the morning? She says, I'm so grateful for that time away from him. That's what she told me. You're nitpicking. Come on, man. This is a major compliment. Why aren't you celebrating? Why aren't you breaking out the uh, Martinelli's? This is your wheelhouse. Magic Johnson is saying this, and you're nitpicking as to degrees of why he didn't say this or why didn't they say that? Brian says, obviously, Magic is right. Just look at the record. He knows what he's talking about a lot more than that other former Laker. 
Which yeah, former Laker is he dumping on? He's got to be Shaq. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I think it's only Shaq because he's the only one, right? What other former Laker has really said much of uh, anything? What has James Worthy said? <laughs> Mike Schmirk. I don't know what he's been saying here. What, what did Jerry Chuck, West say? Chuck Nevitt. I'm not sure what. No, uh, Shaq. Mark Landsberger. I don't know. <laughs> Mark Landsberger. Hadn't <laughs> heard that name in a long time. He went to ASU, and uh, I think it was him and Kareem that were defending that iconic move of Dr. J when he comes baseline and just holds swoops the ball around. And, and, yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think Landsberger was it was uh, him and Abdul Jabbar that were the defensive players in the pitcher when somehow the unbelievable move that Dr. J put on. Which way did who go? Yeah, I mean, it's just like he was four feet out of bounds in, in <laughs> midair and came back in and bounced it off the hoop. I mean, it was just in the backboard. It was just incredible. So I think that uh, he's probably our, our responder on Facebook is going to Shaq. And Shaq was very critical. And I, I think this is a – I don't want to say compliment, but an analysis by someone who obviously knows basketball. Now, you know, I don't know that he would have succeeded as a GM because I don't that, that position is a grinder. And you've got to grind, and Magic is a superstar and a superstar businessman, and he's a PR guy and all that stuff. So why so grind? Up, yeah, well, you you don't need to. I mean, yeah, you know, you're uh, you're to Los Angeles and your businesses like what uh, Tommy Lasorda was to the Dodgers after he got done. He was a marketing tool, uh, and he wasn't. But as Tommy was working his way up, he was a grinder. Uh, but then afterward. And I think that's where magic is. So I can't really judge him on his uh, executive ability, but his ability to recognize talent and see it all come together. Uh, I think this is a, a it's not a bold statement because they do have the best record. But I, in my mind, and maybe I'm I have bias towards magic. I'll be the first to admit I loved watching him play. And I think that it is something that got my attention. He's, he didn't have to say it, especially because I was talking to a guy yesterday who lives down there in the Los Angeles area, and he's a consumer of of sports media and talk shows, and he's telling me that they were all day yesterday he was listening, and it was all about how they don't believe in a jazz, and they're just ready for them to fall and have a big fat I told you so. And that's what the jazz are starting to get to the point of is that if they should fall, there's going to be people coming out of the woodworks left and right. They're going to say, yeah, I told you. Absolutely. That's what I always thought. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like they're winning too much. They are winning too much because literally nobody sustains this. It's 19 out of 20. It's 20 out of 21. It's where is it going next? And, and who yeah. wins 95% of their games in the is NBA? Is there such a thing as winning too much? Well, this isn't sustainable, so I don't know that I told you so and they aren't any good is the thing to say when they lose. I mean, you can drop it in the playoffs. You know they will. Right. But they will because they're an NBA team, and that's what NBA teams do. I mean, none of Magic's teams, and Magic's an all-time all-timer and save the league and yada, yada, but they didn't win 95% of their games because nobody does that. Yeah, but when they lost to the Celtics in the finals, nobody was saying, see, I told you. Oh, yeah, they were. Celtic oh, they fans were. No, they weren't. Celtic fans were just rolling in the mud for their Celtics. Yeah, but they were also taking shots at the Lakers. 
Oh, we're better than you. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. you're a bunch of gaggers. But okay, but that <laughs> they have a specific interest. I'm talking about guys who and ladies who cover the league that don't necessarily have an allegiance and are just analyzing the league. I get it when you get into fan. Well, bases the Lakers already had. Okay, talk. I see where you're going. Sure. Yeah, the Lakers already had championships at that point. You know, the Jazz don't. So that's a little apples and oranges. I mean, by the time the Lakers give a title away, they'd already won two or three. I guess two. They would have won two before they had their epic collapse. Yeah. But people, I think, around the league are just waiting for this team to fall flat on its face. I really, really believe that. And it would be so sweet if they don't. Now, that doesn't mean you have to win the title. Uh, I think it does. I don't think so. Really? That's my opinion, though, and, I, and I'm not going to argue that you're right or wrong, although obviously you are wrong, but I won't argue <laughs> it. <laughs> nice. I think that you can have a hard-fought series and not fall on your face. Are you gonna, did the, did the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, did they fall on their face? I don't think they did. No, but they had also been in the mix before and had been to the World Series. Wasn't that their second trip to the World Series? I believe it was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kornheiser, without being a hardcore NBA guy, kind of crystallized it when he said, when he looked at his yellow legal pad and said, they've gone out in the first round the last two years. Now, some of the criticism seems personal, right? It seems personal when Shaq goes after Donovan Mitchell in what's normally, uh, you know, post-game walk-off, hey, how good are you kind of question. But when Kornheiser says we're going out in the first round, anybody who's followed NBA history knows there aren't many teams that have won a title after going out in the first round the year before, after not winning a playoff series in the previous two years. And there aren't many teams that didn't even make the playoffs and won the title the next year, and that's what the Lakers did. Yep. But they screw that. No, but they get the asterisk because LeBron was hurt the year before, and it's all about your star, and it's all about LeBron. And LeBron had been to the finals eight and, years in a row before that. And everybody knows that. And I guarantee you that uh, Will Blount or uh, Kornheiser had no clue that Bogdanovich didn't play last year. He has no, no clue, friggin' right. idea. Yeah, I don't think he's following it that close either. And that's not following it that close. That's just being aware. They don't have to be aware because they're, they talk about the friggin' Wizards. I know. I know they do. I can't watch the show anymore. That's the I don't East want to hear Coast, about West the Wizards and the football ba- the uh, NFL football team that is based in Washington, D.C. I don't it. want to hear about them. They don't deserve any attention whatsoever. And now, Zero. And now Bradley Beal. I couldn't care less. If Bradley Beal gets traded, all right, I'll pay attention. But to Depending tell on me about the Wizards to. almost every freaking day, you've got to be kidding me. Click. It's boring me to tears, so I don't want to hear it. He doesn't know anything about jazz basketball. And they're going on the legacy, not on what is now. Right, and there's something to be said for that, so I'm not totally eliminating that, but they've got a big qualifier. Their second-leading scorer, 20 points a game, wasn't there, and they lost by one point or two points at the buzzer. In in a in a in an environment in which a decent player looked better than MJ. Tony says Rankin in the top five in both offense and defense is enough to get to the finals. 
The Jazz just need to stay there. Just keep doing what they're doing, Tony says. Sure. Yeah, well, if you're winning games, that's what you need to do, obviously. Uh, I'm not interested in what the stats are. There's one stat that I care about, and that's your record. And that, that explains everything to me. And I'll let the other guys... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Locke if he's listening now. I'm going to tell him my challenge for him is to go a week without tweeting a stat, uh, to have a tweet that doesn't have a stat in it. Nope. Not going to happen. <laughs> just If you want to tweet stats, just tweet the record every day. Because <laughs> everything else is going to fall in line with that. And if the record sucks, my guess is all the stats suck too. Now, I get, in order to get the record, the folks that are involved and all that stuff need to have all that other stuff in order and off the bounce and all that other stuff. I get all of that, but that's not for me. I'm looking at the record. Did you win? Did you lose? Because that'll answer everything else. But for everybody else to get to that point, those guys that they're employing and all that, I don't discount that at all. That's their jobs, and they do it, and they do it well. Have at it. But that's not me, nor do I think that's the casual fan whom I represent because I never played the game. I don't even think I've ever owned basketball sneakers, let alone put them on. I wouldn't even know how to put them on. You're lying. You're lying. You're just seeing how far you can push it so I would finally not ignore you. I never played the game. Nothing. I never owned sneakers. Still nothing. I don't know how to put them on. All right, PK, I'll give you attention. I can't put my shoes on. Okay, now we'll talk. (laughs) Holy cow. Well, I I need a shoehorn, and no one has any shoehorns anymore. So uh... (laughs) I've got one you can borrow. So random. Brian says Magic knows his stuff. All-time great. If he sees it, they got the right chemistry going on. I think there's something to be said that for that. I think I agree with Brian and what he's saying. Magic ought to know. So you think Magic, is this, is this in reaction to Shaq? Do you know the backstory, how this happened, or what conversation or interview this came out of? I think it was a tweet he put out. He just put it out there. I think he's watching basketball, obviously. Basketball player loves the game, and it's a fresh take. And he's probably aware, I don't know this, I'm guessing, but he's probably aware to a degree that for being as good as the Jazz are, they seem to have a lot of negative associated with it. You know, if this were the Lakers or the Clippers. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Or the Nets. Right. But they all have, the guys on those teams all have MVP, MVP awards or championships or both. Good for them. And the Jazz don't. So it's new, which exactly. is exciting, but not everyone's buying into it. Well, there's no question. And yeah. I think maybe Magic sees that. Says, no, 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 no. You can buy in just because they don't have an MVP or yeah. a championship right. Right. yet. Yes. That's so then I'm the closest about. parallel to this, would the closest parallel be the Warriors' first championship? We're going back to 2015, going back five years? I'd have to and look at that the would really be <clears throat> That would really be the only comparison going back in the last decade. Before that, you got the Heat and the Spurs and you know, maybe the Mavericks. I mean, I know they're stars. A team that didn't have a track record, that didn't have... Uh, did Dirk have an MVP? Dirk 
Nowitzki? Nowitzki, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Won, he, he, they went out, uh, that, they lose to Seattle in the first round or something? Yeah, that year that they lost to, it was actually Golden State, wasn't it? Was it Golden State? Don, yeah, Don Nelson's. Seattle would have been out of Seattle by then. Yeah, it was the Golden yeah. State upset, the 8-1 upset. I was thinking when... Uh, you were going back to the 90s. Seattle. <laughs> yeah, as the number one seed. It also was a good one, yeah. Uh, and Matumbo. Yeah, Crate, Dirk, Dirk in 07. On the back. Yeah, so... So even that, even that, that Maverick team that won the title would have had uh, at least Dirk would have had the MVP three or four years earlier. Does Kerr's influence matter to you? Because obviously he's won titles and he right, was and he was on coaching the, sidelines. the yeah. Uh, and I, I don't even though Kerr stepped into a ready-made situation. Uh, if you're going to criticize coaches, I think when they win, you need to praise them. So. I'm hesitant to say, oh, anybody could have done it. I don't know that anybody could have done it. I know that Steve Kerr did it, and that's what matters. So I've got to give him his due for doing that. But, yeah, there's there's been teams that have done it. And those teams that did it, did they win 21, 20 out of 21, 21 out of 22, however long this thing goes? And were they a team that was – did you didn't play any rookies? Zero? None? Zippo? And they're this much of a veteran team? I have to go back and check all of those. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. To. Warriors, did they play rookies then? Probably not. You look at Boston when they got together for that one season. That mm-hmm. was a veteran ball club for sure. Right. Veterans are where it's at in this league. Absolutely. You know, with a, uh, a few exceptions, of course, Magic Johnson being one of those Magic exceptions. is a rookie, and yeah. Bird is a second year, and Duncan is a second year. And circle back to Magic, who's making this statement. There it is. I told Scotty the other day, I, I was going to take a trip around the world this summer, and I canceled. <laughs> All right, DJ PK, Craig Bowlerjack's coming up next. We will talk jazz, nine in a row, 20 out of 21 with Bowler. That's next. Joe Ingles is coming up at 9.30. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. The Jazz are becoming that showpiece. The Jazz are becoming the party. Everybody barbecues a bunch of stuff and gets together for the Super Bowl, and it's a lot of fun because it's the show. That's what the Jazz are becoming. It's an event now. It's an event. Must watch TV. They play a style of basketball that not only is winning a lot of games for them right now, but, you know, the old pick-and-roll, boring Jazz teams that won a lot of games, but some people across the country, it's just boring basketball. This is not boring basketball. Yeah, back to the basket, dribble the clock out, take the yeah. shot. That's not. That is not this team. I mean, cranking forty to forty-five threes a game. That's going to get people's attention really quickly. Hanson Scotting weekdays from ten to two on 12 eighty, the Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Craig Bullerjack's weekly interview is presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Time to welcome in the TV voice of the Jazz, Craig Bullerjack. Buller, good morning. David James, PK, you played some rush. Nope. I'm kind of, this team's, I kind of got a rush right now. <laughs> 19 out of 20, Buller. Are you wow. running out of words? You've used a lot of superlatives <laughs> on a lot of broadcasts. I'm wondering how many more words yeah. you've got. Um, I'm digging down deep. If you, PK, if DJ, if you got a few, throw them my way. Uh, no, it's um, you know, it's let's use remarkable, uh, intriguing. Uh, I mean, just anything you want. It's uh, it's quite 
you know, this is historic for jazz franchise history. So I saw, you know, this morning you post is at ho-hum. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm just sitting back in kind of a, a state of wow, state of awe, uh, to be honest, the way they win, there's multiple ways. And, uh, last night, was it pretty at times? No first half. Uh, I thought the Clippers defensive strategy was, uh, was spot on. Like Ty, uh, Ty said last night, uh, uh, Ty, Ty Lu and the head coach, and he said, "Look, you know, you got to press them out on the three-point line and defend the pick and roll." They did a great job doing that, but the Jazz figured it out and attacked. And I thought they upped their their whole intensity in the second half. And gosh, what was a five-point deficit at the half? They run away from them and went by eighteen. I mean, it's every night's a different different way of doing it, and it's that that's probably the most intriguing part about it right now. Yeah, it really is. I thought that, in a sense, that was sort of cool in that, all right, the Clippers, they're without their two stars at the top. Still got some players, though. I mean, you can't deny that. Uh, So, you know, I hesitate to say it was the JV team because they got four or five guys that they're pretty much playing for any team in the league. But I think the Jazz knew that, all right, studs aren't there. Maybe psychologically, as human beings, you get off to a little bit of a sluggish start. But then in the third quarter, all right, guys, we're not going to lose this game. Let's put the hammer down on these dudes. I mean, we'll give them a you know an A for effort and all this stuff. But and it's valiant. But they're not as good as us. So let's just put them away and win comfortably. And that's exactly what they did. So I don't think that I'm upset that they got down by five at halftime. I like the way the fact when they flipped the switch and they turned it on, they blew them away. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, 35-point third quarter, another big one to, you know, to, to end it in the fourth, and it's it's a 114-96 game. The other part of that, too, PK, is they gave up 51 first-half points and then, again, slowly shut the door on the Clippers. Uh, Patrick Beverly, he's a defensive you know, uh, menace for, for the Jazz. Reggie Jackson, I thought, you know, played a nice game, um, Lou Williams. But, again, if I look at the fourth quarter, uh, that's where the Jazz just kind of shut down those scores. Lou Williams was not as impactful as he was in the first half by any means. And then you get a two-way guy named Amir Coffey who, you know, gave uh, gave um, the Clippers a, a nice second half. But, I, I you know, it, you make a great point about knowing that Kawhi and Paul George weren't going to play. Uh, he even tossed in the name of uh, Batum. And all of a sudden you think, okay, sure. another yeah. walk in the park. But in reality, everybody in this league, you know, has a high level of talent. And the Jazz just turned theirs up, you know, to that next level in the second half. I never sense panic with this team throughout this entire run. And I think there's a confidence building here that it's just, you know, unless you're in that locker room, which again, this year we don't get a chance to to get into, but there is an incredible amount of confidence that's uh, basically raging through this team right now, and it goes one to one to nine, you know, even one to eleven and twelve, like a Jarrell Brantley, a Jawan Morgan, a Mieoni. Those guys are getting on the floor late, yes, but still, you can tell they they're playing with confidence too. So I guess the one thing is the uh, the question you reference on the Facebook page, you know, is all the winning getting ho-hum. Uh, we've seen with other teams, other sports, college pro, there are times where teams are winning and it's just too easy, and they do seem to lose their focus, and they do seem to get bored. 
Uh, do you think there's any chance that happens with this team? Because it doesn't seem like they can keep winning at this rate either. And it's hard uh, this, to see what's going to upset the apple cart, but you've watched a lot yeah. of NBA basketball, and you know, well, teams don't win 19 out of 20 routinely. You're not going to no. do this in the next 20 games. You okay, can't. so maybe 17 out of 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> 17 out of 20. Uh, I don't think I think the X factor here has to be Quinn Snyder of keeping this team focused. But you guys make a great point. The human factor has to come into play here sooner than later. I mean, I think fans have to understand that, and I think they do. Um, look, twenty-four and five, um, and tomorrow night the Clippers again. Whether or not you see Kawhi Leonard or Paul George, you know it's it's you just go back and play this game, and maybe a, a few a few changes from. Uh, Ty Lue, uh, but yeah, I thought, again, the game plan was pretty solid. I don't see him changing much. Gobert was a huge factor last night, guys. I mean, it's fourth career 2020, and he dominated, right? I mean, Serge Ibaka, you know, stepped out and hit a couple of threes. Um, Zubats is a pretty physical player, I thought, for the Clippers, and I'm impressed with his play and kind of pushes Rudy around a little bit more, but uh, I think Rudy's confidence is sky high. I mean, that, PK, don't you see that? I mean, I, I, I thought again, he his hands are stronger. He's going up with more determination, and all of a sudden, he's starting to find more confidence at the free throw line. And every rebound is his. I mean, it's <laughs> it's really an amazing thing to watch. It really is. Well, you just mirrored and echoed the exact words that I said earlier this morning, in that I thought that the thing that I, I'm a big body language guy. Yeah, your physical presence out on the floor, and I thought that the way he dunked was very violent, and I thought that his hands looked better, the best that I've seen. Sometimes he has a player or two, and once he looks a little awkward, I don't think he did that. I thought he was looking for his shot instead of being tentative, and then when he was getting fouled, he was putting that ball just over the rim, nice and soft, so it's not a swish. It ends up getting the bounce to go in, and that's all that matters. And so I said earlier, DJ can back me up, that all things considered, I thought it was his best game of the season. I can't argue. No, I thought it was the most. You, you bring up an interesting uh, you know, comment or observation is it's that uh, – the body language of a lot of these guys, by the way, and that tells you a lot. Uh, he's turned away from arguing to PK uh, and DJ with the officials, even though, you know, you can tell he likes in, in the past. I think he's really tried to refocus and get back and run, which uh, I think Donovan made that, that comment last night that he's running with us. And instead of standing back and complaining that he didn't pick up the foul, um, and I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Maybe he's finally understanding as he continues to grow, and I believe he is, guys. I mean, let's be honest. He's made huge strides in the last couple of years and this season as well. Um, KK asked last night, are you playing with a chip on your on his shoulder? And I really believe he always has and always will. There's something ingrained in his mind about respect and being picked 27th and the, to prove that he is, to, you know, in fact – the best defender uh, in the NBA, and he's proven it twice. But he wants to to be to, to make sure that people don't forget that he doesn't like to be overlooked or maligned or you know questioned. And so that's the fuel, man, right now that runs Rudy Gobert. And I saw a lot of it last night, just like you, PK, about determination, anger, um, taking over a game. 
and it's really intriguing to watch. This whole process with this team is is a is quite a storyline of itself. And the three point shot sometimes it doesn't go down. They struggled in the first half. They still hit 13 last night, but they're timely threes. But they have other options now, and I think they understand that defense will will fuel their offense. And, you know, we saw it against Miami. We saw it again last night. And that's what's the most intriguing part about the Jazz is there's just not a one-way team. They have multiple ways of getting the job done. Do you have any sense when uh, when Conley might be back? He's missed six games. And, uh, you know, he's out a long time last year, and we heard that this injury wasn't as bad as last year. Because he was questionable before they ruled him out, I wondered if maybe he was getting closer. Yeah, I mean, that's the only thing I can, you know, again, the Jazz is, we all know, very tight-lipped when it comes to injury. But the only the, the only indicator, really, is through that injury report when you go from out to probable or questionable to probable, uh, and then you jump in. I would think after this road trip, you come home for two, and you've got the weekend off Saturday, Sunday, before you jump back on the floor with Charlotte. So, you know, you think it's a, pro- a process, and obviously Mike knows his body at 34 uh, or 33, so I'm guessing, you know, they're working with him on trying to figure this thing out. But I'm guessing he's getting closer just in the sense of the injury report. That's the only indicator that I have right now. But I've seen him, you know, before we're on air and the way things are going this, this year, <clears throat> you know, with calling games off the Jumbotron on away games, He's out there, you know, and, and he's warming up at home. You see him taking shots and still trying to, you know, keep in rhythm. So, I mean, it's it's not to the point where he can't be on the leg, but obviously I think he's getting closer. That's my guess. That's only a guess. But it'll be interesting to see him back, how he works his way back into the lineup. Joe Ingles, guys, has done an incredible job. Um, and the way that he is – you know, synced right now on the floor with Gobert and even Favors uh, and even Donovan. Man, seven assists last night. Joe had, you know, five. Uh, pardon me. Yeah, five. So the, 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 they had 12 assists of the 19 last night, those two. So they're really dialed in with Gobert, and that's been a big key as well. So how do we explain what I think Joe Ingles is doing is playing the best ball of his NBA life this season? Well, I can't argue, and Quinn Snyder echoed it last night. Um, you know, it's he is incredibly fun to watch. He's dialed in, tuned in. Um, how do you do that, PK, at 33? Uh, how does how does even Mike Conley, before the injury, improve uh, in his 14th year in the NBA? Because I guess they're open to coaching, and they're also hungry. Uh, and that's a key, too, I think, for this team is that there is – this this hunger, um, I know people look at me and talk about cliches and come on, it can't be that way. It is. Uh, there's a This is a team that uh, obviously made a decision after getting knocked out by Denver last year or after, you know, with a 3-1 lead, consciously saying to themselves, this isn't going to happen again. And, you know, there was obviously a lot of discussion about who we are in the bubble, what we want to become. And here they are. And I think Joe obviously is a centerpiece of that, PK. I really think that's probably part of the answer is that his leadership with Donovan and the way that he plays the game with 
you know, people call high IQ, but you have to. He's Joe. I mean, there's angles. Uh, he outsmarts, outwits so many of his opponents. And then, of course, he plays free with a three-point shot. And it's just the confidence that he plays with right now, I would agree. He's at, at, at an all-time high. Absolutely. So you got any idea how long he can sustain this? Because on the one hand, 33 seems the point where your career ought to start to tail off a little bit. But at the same time, we hear it's, well, it's really about how many minutes you play. Well, he played in Europe, and they don't play as many games a week, and the games are 40 minutes, not 48. So he hasn't played as many minutes. He's played like 13,000 in the NBA. So should we think that he's going to push the envelope here on uh, 33, 34, 35? Well, you know, you made me pick up the box score because I was figuring, without even you saying that, how many minutes actually did he play last night? And I'm sure that Quinn is um, aware of that. How, I mean, I thought he played 30 just because of the impact he had on the game last night. But in reality, he played 24, 24 minutes. And Donovan went 34, and O'Neal played 34, and Clarkson played 33, Gobert 32. That surprises me because, again, the way that he impacted the game last night, I thought he played more than that. But I think it's got to be an issue – uh, to your point, DJ, that Quinn has to understand. I know, sure, Quinn's tuned in. The coaches that are there, analytics, numbers, minutes, all the above are at his fingertips. And obviously the Jazz are aware of, of keeping him on the floor, but in critical minutes, closing minutes. And I'm sure they understand they've got to keep Joe healthy, bottom line, especially after the Achilles kind of flared up a little bit, right? I mean, I think they've got to be very aware of that. So I'm wondering, since Joe is playing so well, if you bring Bogdanovich off the bench. Mm. Well, he's in a he's in a bit of a quandary right now. You could tell last night. You talk body language, PK. I don't know. I, I saw a couple of uh, reaction shots off the monitor that you could tell. Man, he's going. Why isn't Why isn't this working? Why isn't this going in? And Bogey last night, two of ten, did not hit a three. In fact, his last uh, five games, he's below 25% from the three-point shot So with the three-pointer. So, yeah, you know, Quinn, Quinn has that ability to make any changes he wants. Joe obviously can adapt, and you guys talk to him on a weekly basis. I think, though, he thrives as a starter, PK. I really do. And, I, you know, only he can explain it, but he always talks the right talk, and that is put me wherever you need me, coach, and I'll play. But, boy, as a starter, he just seems to be much more engaged. Um, and maybe it just opens up the fact the ball's in his hands much more than it, than it is when he comes in with the second unit. So, yeah, I mean, you, you hate to, you know, with Conley out, but you continue to win, I just wonder what direction they'll go and how they'll do this. It'll be an interesting decision by Quinn Snyder. Uh, do you rock the boat? Do you change up the lineup? Or do you go back to what? you know, what he went with from the very beginning. That, that's going to have to happen here pretty quick, pretty soon. Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for stopping by. We will hear you on the broadcast with the Jazz and the Clippers, and we will talk to you again next week. All right, guys. Good talking to you. Ho-hum. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. This is fun. Keep the train rolling. But uh, got another, you know, another challenge tomorrow night, and then next week uh, LeBron comes to town. So more answers on the way for sure. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles will be here at 9.30. Stay with us. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Radio voice of the Utah Jazz, David Locke. Quinn made this comment about Royce O'Neal's in his second year as a starter and his second year as a defensive stopper, and he's really learned from both of us. Playing as a starter is different, so he's learning how to be the fifth best offensive player on the floor. There's a role to that because you're defended differently, and what are you going to do? And so he's begun to understand how to do that. And he's now guarding Jason Tatum for the third time, Giannis for the third time, Jimmy Butler for the third time. And you just get better at it. You learn their tendencies. You know what they're doing. Royce's evolution and improvement this year is a real story. Our fan base sure loves a Awards. Like, if Jordan wins six, man, we might put a statue next to Stockton alone. Well, shouldn't Royce be up for most improved? Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Question of the morning. All this winning. Is it getting a little ho-hum? Tammy says, no way. Thumbs up emoji. Big smile emoji. Somebody's enjoying all the winning. Uh, Father J at Utah Trout says, no. And thanks for asking. Dave, are you implying it's more interesting when they lose? I think what that implies, Dave, is that it is more interesting when you don't know what's going to happen. I don't know that the outcome winning or losing is what makes it as interesting. It's the doubt. And then it breaks however it breaks. But it's the question, you know, what is going to happen here? And I think most of us watching that Jazz Clipper game last night, as we watched saw the Jazz down by one after a quarter, shooting 35%, and thought, they're not going to shoot 35%. This is, as, this is pretty much as good as things can go for the Clippers. And at halftime, they were down five, but we've seen them come out on a roll and really kick some butt in the third quarter so often that I think we thought it was going to happen. And then it did happen. And we had one guy tell us earlier this morning, he went to bed at halftime, which, you know, it's an 8 o'clock game and halftime hits at 9.30 and depends on when you got to get up in the morning and where you got to be. I suspect more of you are watching because these days more people are working from home. But if you're, if you're the person who's got to be up at 5 a.m. to be somewhere at 6 to be at work, well, you went to bed at halftime. I get that. But to me, it's not, it's not, we're not implying it's more interesting when they lose. It's just it's more interesting when we're not sure what's going to happen next. When you absolutely know how something is going to play out, well, sports is the unscripted drama. So when we know the script, and now this team's about to go on a roll and blow this other team out, doesn't matter what sport it is, that's not as interesting to me. PK, is it, are you implying it's more interesting when they lose? I don't think you are but we'll let you speak for yourself. Well, off top of my head, no. But it's like I was saying before, so many national folks out there with the Jazz are ready to pounce on, yeah, I told you so, this isn't real, this is a fluke, they got hot. Didn't Houston win some inordinate amount of games? 22 in a row, row, and they lost to the Jazz in the first round that year. Okay, there you go. So it's a Tracy McGrady, Darren Williams era. Okay, right. And so uh, 
Losing in the first round, I can't justify that whatsoever. I just, I, there's just no way. Neither can Donovan Mitchell because he's already put himself on record as saying that's not happening. So I would imagine, unless they had some outrageous amount of injuries and all, but all things being equal to some degree, that a first-round defeat is not going to be acceptable under any circumstance. But and maybe even a second round, depending on how they finish in the regular season. But I do think that you can take something from losing – a hard-fought uh, conference final, certainly NBA final, and that can be interesting uh, in that way. So when we get to that point, we'll evaluate it as the circumstances dictate. Uh, but right now, you know, it's all about winning, and then and that's really all it is, knowing that it's not going to continue. Uh, but it, it's going to be funny, though, when they do lose because I'm going to make sure – that that next day, I'm turning on NBA radio as soon as our show's over. <laughs> See, who says I told you so and who says, yeah. oh, well, they lost two out of 22, so what? Right, and just to see what the reaction is. And I don't know why I care, but I do. And maybe it's because of show discussions. Maybe because our listeners care. And since we're in the position and neither of us are a Utah native and all that stuff, we care about Utah sports because our job requires it to care about it. And so we want to know what's being said out there because the fans want to know. And I feel like I have a service to them to talk about what they want to listen to. And so maybe that's my intrigue with this finding out what's being said about this ball club because it's fascinating now if they're 18 and 10 like portland is that's very good i don't scoff at that but it's not like i'm so interested to hear because i my guess is portland probably portland's probably getting more praise now look at look at lillard man he's carrying that team and he had a phenomenal game last night obviously at 43 points i think it was and and they're 18 and 10 without two of their starters. And Zach Collins, who seems like he's been hurt from day one, he's out too. And so they're still doing really good. Yeah, the Jazz, oh, but they, they're not going to keep this up. <laughs> and I find it, I identify with the folks who are being doubted. That's my line of life. And so it's, it's drawing me in. So when they do lose... Uh, next week or two weeks later, I don't know, maybe after the All-Star break, hell, the way they're going, who's to say? I'm going to make sure that I am listening for about eight hours the next day. I'm going to watch the jump. I'm going to watch everything, <laughs> all those shows that are out there. I'm going to make sure that I'm paying attention. Will Bond and, and Kornheiser, what do they have to say? It's kind of crazy in that way, but yet I'm in. I don't know that they'll be just losing a game will have people go that crazy. Now, if they lose five out of seven, if they really cool off after this, that will lead to an intense debate. Uh, I could see that. I don't know that one or two losses because everybody loses one or two. If you lose one or two know, games, but, it's but going you're still to be a in the story top when spot. they lose. Yeah, I, I think it's more the playoffs, and I think uh, you know projecting ahead the second round that could be okay. No, if they lose in the second round, they'll be a big old gigantic. I told you so. No different than the Bucks getting knocked out in the second round last year. It'll be a big old sure. I told yeah. you so. Yeah. The question is, how big an I told you so will it be if they lose to the Lakers or Clippers? And then what does the series look like? You know, are both teams healthy? Does one team win shorthanded? Was one team lose shorthanded? Is it a four game series? Is it a seven game series? There are all kinds of ifs or buts out there that you know. You could walk away respected after, you know, because you were shorthanded and you made it a long series. You know, it, it's hard to know then. 
And there is a certain amount of, it's going to be the Lakers. Why are you getting all amped up about other teams? And, and I think for some of the national media, and probably some of the local folks around, you know, it's going to be the Lakers. I think yeah, I AD know, getting hurt introduces some yeah. doubt into that argument. There's no question. Yeah. Or being hurt. I yeah, wouldn't being say hurt. getting hurt. Yeah. yeah. Being hurt again. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is coming up in half an hour, and PK's got a question about Joe Ingles. Next, we'll get to that. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Joe Ingles is coming up next in the next segment. He'll join us from L.A., but right now we want to talk about Joe. And PK, you got a question that uh, has been eating at you. You've been pondering. You've been ponderizing. Nice. Thank you. I love it when you introduce church, and I appreciate that you try to keep it secret, and your secret's safe with me. Don't you worry, big guy. Okay. Oh, dear. (laughs) What is the question that you have been thinking upon? Why is Joe Ingles playing the best ball of his NBA career now? I happen to have a reason, and his wife sometimes listens and lets him know, Mm -hmm. and if she's listening, I'm about to give you the reason. Oh, well. Why have a debate when PK can just spread truth before us? Well, I don't think it's an accident since he sired a child that was born in the greatest land in the world, the <laughs> U.S. of A. Jeez. I thought you had a real reason. That his kid. It is a real reason. He has an American son. I think his name is Jack. I call him AJ for American Jack. Since AJ's an American. And now he has that link to America forever, and he's playing his best ball ever. If you're listening, tell him that. Joe doesn't know that he's 30 minutes away from him and his whole day ruined. Okay. (laughs) Ruined? Ruined. He's got an American son. That's great news. Uh I think he'll think AJ stands for Australian Jack. but American Jack. And here's the great thing. His other kids and all of his family – can't do, AJ can run for U.S. president. True story. True story. <laughs> and no way to know the law, PK. <laughs> well, I heard about the other guy. He was supposedly born in some other place. That was a big deal a few years back. <laughs> Got to be a native-born son of the United States of America. I didn't understand it. I don't, I don't think how he could have slipped that one thing past everybody, but somebody else made a big deal about it for a number of years, so what the heck. <laughs> All right, so, so this actually AJ Ingles. This actually got addressed. Uh, Quinn was asked about uh, the level of Joe's sure, play yeah. and his improvement, and Quinn, as he tends to do, gives a very thorough answer. And so we're going to play all of it uh-huh. for you. If Quinn had the time to say it, I got the time to listen to it, and then we'll uh, yes. we can throw all all our theories on the table afterwards. But Quinn was asked this after the Clipper game last night in the post game Zoom. Here's Quinn. He's grown as a player. You know, I, I, it's hard to compare. Um, well, it's not hard to compare. I, I think back about, um, you know, when he was battling, you know, to get on the floor, he, he got on the floor defensively. And, you know, that's something I think, you know, it's it's hard to maintain consistency defensively, you know, as you're playing 34, 35, 36 minutes. And there, there's been a real focus on his part, Um you know, he can do it. For, he, he's playing more minutes right now with Mike out, but I, I think he's really purposeful on the defensive end. His pick-and-roll game is something, um, 
you know, that, that he's developed, you know, the synergy that he has with, with our bigs, with Rudy and Fave. And I, I think, uh, you know, he's also really improved his finishing. And, you know, when, when you get the threat of finishing and also dropping the ball off to the big, that, that opens other things up as well. So I, I think the fact that he started to play a lot of pick and roll um, over a few years, you know, he's just gotten better at it and he's, he's finding more people and making better reads. And um, the other thing, you know, he, he jokes about it. We joke about it a little bit now is he's just, he's not hesitated at any point on a shot and taking it in transition, taking it off the dribble. He's always been a great catch and shoot guy uh, in the half court. And I think he's really, you know, he's been more aggressive. He's taken that to heart, um, you know, and as a result, you know, it adds, I would say it adds another dimension to his game because it's there, but um, it sets up a lot of other things that he's doing. And, you know, the way that we play is, is very different from the way that, you know, they played in Barcelona when I first saw him. It was more of a half court game. And I think the thing, you know, I don't know how old he is right now. I know he's in his 30s, um, you know, but he was an older player by, you know, comparatively when, when he got to the league. And, you know, his commitment to, to working on his game and improving, I think, is something that, you know, we feel like you can continue to get better. There's no ceiling on anybody based on their age, and that's, that's what he's done. So there is Quinn Snyder, and I think he touches on a few things there that uh, got me thinking about this. But uh, you're the one who wants to talk about this. Why don't you jump in first, and then I'll follow. You hear that, and you think, what? Oh, well, that's a great answer. He touched on a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Find a niche to get yourself out on the floor. And Joe was smart enough to know, all right, I know what Quinn Snyder's looking for. What do I need to do to get myself out on the floor? And that was through defense. And then I think Joe – and he could speak to it for himself, he probably understood the where, where the game was going. And he knew his skills. So, okay, show that I can do some, some defensive things for the club because that can help. You can never have enough of that, right? Then he probably already knew, hey, I'm a pretty good playmaker on the pick and roll, and so find ways to get other guys the ball because who doesn't like that? Everybody likes that. So the first two things is that I'm going to play defense and then I'm going to get other guys shots because they're going to like me, <laughs> right? Everybody's liking that. If you got player XYZ getting you shots, you're going to like them. Then the third thing is he probably foresaw, all right, three-point shooting is the wave of the future. I just got to make sure that I can – hit the open three and I we talked to him I don't remember if I talked to him off the air if it was on the air the one thing that I've seen him improve is when he gets the ball not to lower it to keep it up and keep shooting so you get the ball around neck face level and then hoist it don't bring it down and reset but go straight up with the ball get it catch it and shoot it and he clearly and he, and he acknowledged that he's worked on that so those three things have gotten him out on the floor, and then he's a lovable dude. He keeps everybody loose and all that stuff. And so you combine all that, all that, and he's played way better than uh, certainly I ever thought. I don't know, maybe he would not say the same and thought, no, nah, I, I always knew I had this. I'm not sure what the answer would be. So he figured out, he game planned for himself, and it's worked to a very high level. So I agree with all of that. I think that you've got to start with his ability. You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, you can if the old dog wants to learn new tricks. 
So, and I think you and Quinn both hit on that. You know, a lot of the credit has to go to Joe because he's wanted to get better. And Joe has told us through the interviews, I mean, there's a lot of screwing around that goes on. American Jack, Australian Jack will be a great example of that. But he has also told us stuff like there was a playoff series, and I can't remember if it was the Thunder or the Rockets. Uh, but there was somebody, and maybe there was more than one team, that really um, forced him to his weak hand. And so he told us in the offseason – even though he went home to Australia, that didn't mean that he wasn't trying to improve. Uh, a lot of times players get judged by whether they stick around locally or in a practice facility. And, you know, you can find a gym anywhere and you can work on your offhand. And, you know, if you go left and you're good at that and they're going to force you right, well, spend an offseason work on going right. And, you know, there are other things. The way he shoots layups. Uh, and a long time ago we were all taught to gather with two hands in traffic. Well, that just tells the shot blocker that you're about to shoot because you can't dribble anymore. And so the way they shoot these layups with the one hand, kind of that scoop, it doesn't give the shot blocker as, as much time to, to read the shot and prepare and gather and go up and, you know, block the shot. So there's little things he's tweaked and he deserves credit for that. I do think there are bigger things that have happened and Quinn kind of hinted there, like the game has moved in the direction of Joe's skill set during his career. You know, if, if Joe had come along and tried to play for the Jerry Sloan Jazz, well, the ball would have been in Stockton's hands running a pick and roll, and we might never have seen how well Joe can run a pick and roll. But thank goodness for Joe, Don Nelson decided to you know, mess around with a point forward, and people caught on and thought, hey, wait a minute, we can have a matchup advantage. Just look at last night's game, right? Patrick Beverly guy has a ton of energy, plays at this frenetic pace, and he decided, I'm going to defend Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to be looking for every deflection. Every takes a lot of energy out of Donovan. Wait a minute. Donovan's a great catch-and-shoot guy. Why not put him in the corner, take Beverly out of the play, let Donovan rest, and when Donovan's open, he's going to stick that three-pointer, and Joe's got a better matchup for running the pick-and-roll. Let Joe run some pick-and-rolls. So the game's moved in his direction. And the other thing is, and you'll love this, PK— we get just, it's too easy a habit for us to get too hung up on numbers. Can I get an amen, PK? Well, you're, you already got me on the Don Nelson. I mean, I had no idea that we'd be talking about Paul Pressey in this segment. <laughs> we weren't talking about Paul Pressey. Well, you said the point forward. I was thinking Anthony Mason, but anyway. Uh, no, 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 it's Paul Pressey. Joe, Joe's 33, and so it's easy to say a 33-year-old isn't going to get better. But he's been in the league seven years. And haven't we all seen guys in the sixth, seventh, eighth year of their career come into their prime? And Joe hasn't played the 30, 35,000 minutes where guys are running out of gas at the age of 33. Yeah, I and, disagree on that because he's played with his national team a lot. Yeah, he has. He's got some minutes there. But well, I, don't think, I don't think it's that many. I mean, I think you get in those tournaments and you're playing 10 or 15 games in tournaments. So I, I don't think it's the same as an 82-game grind. It does offset okay. some of them. Um, and so I think he wants to improve. And, you know, Steve Young said a long time ago, and he repeats it when he comes on with us, that physically you're at your best when you start playing, but mentally you're not there yet. And you keep improving mentally, and you get to this level, it's like, well, how long can the physical hold on? Because now mentally, I get it. I get it. I know what's coming next. And Quinn kind of, you know, referred to that, that all the little things he's trying to do, which Quinn doesn't want to talk about because they don't want people game planning for him. Uh, you know, Joe's ready to do that now. And mentally he's there. And, and physically he hasn't, you know, he hasn't lost it. I mean, that's the thing that, that's the Tom Brady story, right? Mentally he's there and physically he's still got enough to do it. Now he's in his 40s, he ought to run out of gas at some point. But this is what we talk about with every athlete at 
30, 35, 40. When are you going to lose it physically? Because you're not going to lose it mentally. Mentally, you know what to do now. You know, you're, you're thinking a couple steps ahead. But are you strong enough and quick enough? And I think that uh, to, uh, to uh, add to that is that everybody mentally is a step ahead now because nobody's new. Yeah. And everyone understands everybody else. You've got an excellent situation going on here in terms of everybody is familiar with everybody else's game. The nine guys that they're playing, I mean, we see it. Our, our listeners see it. We know uh, if somebody, the, the ninth guy is Niang. Well, everybody knows if you're moving the ball around and for whatever reason there's a, an opening there and Yang is standing there at the three-point line alone, everybody knows to get him the ball. He becomes, for the ninth guy in that situation, he just soars up the option ladder because if he's wide open behind the line and it's not going to be a rush shot and somebody's not going to be running at him, get him the ball. Everybody knows that. There's nothing out there now that these guys don't know about each other. Who does what, where they do it, how they do it, what's going to happen. You know, we see Conley, if he gets an opening in the lane, he's probably going to shoot the right-handed floater, right? And so you can react accordingly. I don't think that anybody is surprising anybody. They may be wowing somebody when Mitchell throws – a cross-court corner-to-corner pass, they may wow you. The greatest play in Jazz history. Yeah, but, you know, Joe, after that play, said when he saw the ball up there, he started talking about all the baseball passes that Donovan has thrown. I mean, he's got his whole comedy shtick about Donovan and baseball, and he reeled it off that night on the Zoom call. And so the only Mm -hmm. question was, was it going to get through? He knew Donovan was going to throw it. But was it going to get deflected before it got That's to That's my him? point. Yeah. So they Is really they do know. know what's they coming. Know. Right. Yeah. It, it's still, even though you can know what's coming, it doesn't make it any less incredible. I mean, it was just that whole play of multiple cross-court passes. And then from, I don't think I've ever seen corner to corner like that. I, I, I'm trying to think. Directly to where yeah. a foot or more, either way, you're OB. I just I don't know that I've ever seen that. It doesn't, and that you yeah. get the ball coming from a guy who's passing it to you in the air behind his back. Man, I, I started playing Sweet Georgia Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was amazing. But you don't do that unless you have confidence and familiarity because there's no hesitation. Although Donovan kind of looked for a second. It's like he, Donovan went through his progressions. That wasn't a baseball pass. <laughs> football. <laughs> I think because he was waiting he, for Joe to get down court. Joe said he was, he was changing ends, and Joe had to run all the way to the corner, and Donovan's like, get there, get there. Okay, now. Right. So, but, but he just he looked he, like he had a little look in his eye. Is anybody else open? Oh, I see Joe on the fly. He's running a post pattern. I'll just wait till he gets uh, a little bit uh, open, and then I'll put the ball out there. So he it's just an unbelievable play, man. I, I've, I've literally seen nothing like it. And there was multiple plays within a play that resulted in the three. It was just incredible. But I don't think you don't, you don't have that. You don't have that unless you have complete familiarity and confidence within your group that this is something that we can execute. It's just absolutely amazing. 
All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, Joe Ingles will join us. He's coming up next from L.A. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. Get a lot of reaction here, PK, is the, and Joe will join us here uh, in a few minutes uh, from Los Angeles. Uh, but the question of the morning is all this winning getting uh, ho hum? And Jared says, never. Gives me chills every final buzzer. I really love this team, their <laughs> chemistry, and the way they pull together to finish strong. Sure. So you're into it. You're getting chills at the final buzzer. They are entertaining you, and you're getting your money's worth. And even if you're watching on TV, well, you know, you're paying a cable or satellite bill and. Time is money. You're investing your time in the team. So yeah, I'm getting chills because it's cold, but yeah. Right. Sandy at Red Red Hothead. Are you crazy, <laughs> David James? Winning is not ho-hum. It's awesome. Well, it's my question, so I'm crazy. She doesn't know that. I put it out on Twitter. I just but, copy and paste. You so. know, these questions are designed to elicit emotion and reaction, so uh, that's the whole point of them, to generate discussion. Right. That's and, and what's crazy to one person is, uh, is not to another. Um, Cameron says, nope, I get so bugged when we aren't leading the whole game. I'm getting <laughs> spoiled right now. Last night I was so mad after the first half. I need to chill. <laughs> nah. Mad? No, not mad. Yeah, I, that, to me, that's, that's a good news sign, not bad news. I don't want them to play because that's – if you're playing at your peak level now, then you worry about peaking yeah. too soon. But when you're sluggish and you still find ways to win within the ball game, that's the best way right now is to, to have that and to see that way of, all right, we need to get better within the game. And so to me, that was a big old positive. Uh, to me, I expected some sort of a, an emotional letdown given the fact that uh, they knew that the two stars were out. Obviously, mm-hmm. they knew. It's no surprise. I mean, they're well aware of it. And I think there's a human nature letdown. And then conversely, the Clippers know that our guys aren't here, so there's more shots for me, more opportunities for me. So I'm more amped up. They came so you out get those combination so things much, going on, yeah. and you can see the result that it was in the first half. You know, if it's five, six minutes to go in the ball game, well, that's another story. But not when you still have 24 minutes and – 50-plus possessions, whatever it might be, to change that thing around, and they, and they did. Uh, they came out with so much – the Clippers came out with so much energy, but I always wonder, okay, can you sustain that for 48 minutes? Because that is – it's impressive, but it's just really hard to play like that for 48 minutes. And sure enough, they couldn't. Talent in the end matters, and they were missing a lot of talent from their lineup. Uh, Angie says, I love the win streak, but just waiting for the loss is agonizing. It will happen. And we got the Jazz at Snowmat 1417. I look at my phone in the second quarter. I saw they were down, and I didn't watch. Then my phone buzzed and gave me the final score, and I was like, yep, saw that coming. <laughs> so we are getting into ho-hum territory.
down in the second quarter and still, still anticipating victory. All right, it is time to bring him in now. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union. As the longest-serving credit union in Utah, Cypress Credit Union is here to help with all your financial needs. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic... And certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show. (laughs) With DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Time to welcome in Joe Ingles from Los Angeles. Joe, good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Where's the energy? Where's the vitality? Where's the spirit that is Joe Ingles? Good morning. I was uh, really excited to do this, and then I forgot that I was an hour ahead of you, so I had to get up an hour early. Right. <laughs> 9.30 in Utah is 8.30 in L.A. Yeah, And, and you- I'm usually up. Earlier than that, but without the kids and obviously a game at night, I was going to have a little sleep in and enjoy it, but it's fine. I'm, I'm doing all right. All right. So another, another day, another W. Do you find these routine? Do you find every game is a little different so it isn't routine? Because different teams, different challenges. I'm curious because man, the wins are really piling up at this point. How does it feel from inside the locker room? Yeah, I mean it's, I mean it's nice to win. Obviously, um, there's no, no better feeling. Obviously, kind of re- regardless of how you play individually or as a team, if if you could figure out how to win at the end of the day, that's obviously the the goal. So um, they're not all going to be pretty. We're not going to blow everyone out by twenty and just kind of cruise through the the season. And I mean, I think everyone. Every team's going to be somewhat different. Um, they're going to play out differently. They're going to have different adversity that they're facing that it might make the some guy, some other guys play harder or play more, which is different to what you're used to or whatever. So, um, I mean, last night we obviously, I mean, it was kind of it was kind of like that team that, that Doc had that that they didn't really have a quote unquote superstar, but they they all played well together and they kind of had that little run. Um, in the docks last year, or second to last year, or whatever it was. So that's kind of what it felt like. They were they were out there, and obviously the the ball moves a bit more because they don't have Kawhi and PG, and that's not taking anything away from those guys. But when they've got them out there, obviously they they feed them, and and Kawhi's great in those those post ups and stuff like that. And and PG plays a lot of, of pick and roll, so it was it was it, it was a different challenge because we weren't sure if. Um, uh, I think PG was always out, but Kawhi was kind of fifty-fifty. So it's uh, it was good to get a, another win. And yeah, the hard part is, I mean, we've done this. I think we've done this twice this year. Um, the hard part is, is honestly playing the same team again. Um, it's hard to beat an NBA team once, let alone twice in a row. So um, I'm assuming we're assuming they'll get someone back or a couple of their guys back. Um, See, it would be ready for it would be a bit of a different game probably, but 
yeah, we obviously have the same same kind of mindset of just wh- whoever's kind of out there um, do what we do and, and like you said, hopefully get another win. So, but as far as the no travel, do you like this opportunity to just be in one place and get two games out of it? I mean, it's much nicer than having to jump on a plane last night and go somewhere else. Um, I mean, we, we played the game. We were back at the hotel by 9.30 or whatever it was and um, we're able to get some food. And um, I mean, it's still, I think a lot of guys, you, you still you can't go right to sleep after the game or anything like that. But to, just, yeah, just to be, walk up to your room and um, after seeing what Renee and the kids <laughs> were doing in the snow yesterday and how high it was, um, the the sun is out here and I was walking around in a t-shirt yesterday. So nice for, for that little change, but um, yeah, I'll be excited to go home too whenever we're done with this. Joe Ingles joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, Quinn got a question in his post-game Zoom about you and you playing your best basketball and uh, why that might be, and he gave a, uh, a long, detailed, thorough answer. And uh, you hate talking about yourself, but you are playing well, and I think some people at 33 would, think, would expect a guy to kind of uh, you know, plateau or taper off. How would you explain this if somebody said, asked you, how, how are you doing this? Why are you kicking A, Joe? Let's get to the point. <laughs> That's well, not going to help him answer it. There's still a chance I'm going to plateau and fall off. <laughs> you guys have <laughs> talked it into fruition, so it's probably going to happen. But um, no, I mean, I mean, I got the I got the same question or a similar one um, about coach. Why he's such a good coach? So <laughs> we we obviously uh, had to answer a similar question. Um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I said to you guys, I mean, obviously you guys and, and everyone that listened and watched us last year, I was a little bit uncomfortable coming off the bench last year, and I don't mean that in terms of not, not accepting that role or not wanting to do it, but I just I, I just didn't, um, especially at the start of the year, obviously. Um, yeah, I just couldn't find a rhythm. I just couldn't get going. I couldn't find a rhythm. It, it was different. Um, again, I'm not saying I didn't want to do it or I was against it or, or anything like that I just I hadn't done it for I don't even know what it was three or four years here and, and kind of every summer with the national team and other teams I've been on so um, it, it was really different for me um, and then obviously with the the last year was a bit of a mess kind of regardless that Mike got injured so I started and then he came back and then the bubble happened and then Boyan was out and so it was a bit of a mess but um I mean, I just yeah, I don't know, everything. Everything is. I mean, I'm in. A, I'm just in a good spot, I guess. I, um, I I've, I've always loved playing. Obviously, that's no no question with with that. And that's ninety nine point nine Quinn's. Um, I don't know, not his fault, but the the re, Quinn's reasoning. Because I mean, before I got. To, to Utah, as I've spoken about before, like I, I really wasn't enjoying playing basketball. It was my kind of last chance of let's try and figure out if I can get back to this kind of love for it, and um, or or I'll be back in <clears throat> be back in the NBL in Australia. So um, he, he's a, obviously a big part of it, and I think having 
a pretty solid and amazing kind of support system at home with, with Renee and the kids and the, the kids are great and, and you know, the new little guy Jack is doing really well and, and obviously it's Renee is doing really well. I think it's it's been really tough on her in terms of not being able to get home or have some family come over. Like no one's no one's met our third child yet or anything, which uh, it is hard. But just having having all their support and there's days I'm like, man, I should be doing more to help Renee, and she pushes me out the door to go and get shots up or get treatment. And um, I, I think just overall as a as a whole, and I mean, I don't want to say I'm having my best year or not or whatever the stats or numbers or anything say but I, I just I'm just in a, yeah I'm in a really good spot I'm, I'm happy um, and yeah it's it, I mean at the end of the day it also helps when, when everyone in your team's playing well and you're moving the ball and you're playing a, a really cool style that fits your team and um, yeah everything everything's in a in a good spot so what do you anticipate happening to your game when Conley comes back? Um, I mean, I'll go to the bench. Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, okay, you go to the bench, which I, I don't know that that's necessarily a guarantee, but if you want to go that way, how are you going to be able to maintain your pro- productivity if that's what happens, you are coming off the bench? Um, I mean, I feel like I was playing pretty well and productive when he was playing too. Uh, right, I would agree. I think the... Uh, like the the biggest and obvious difference, which difference which people realise is obviously I'll, I'll I'll obviously have the ball a little bit less, um, which is which is fine by me. It's not a it's not a, a bad thing, um, and and we'll we'll figure it out again. We'll I think I missed those whatever I missed four games or whatever. Then Donovan missed a couple. And obviously Mike's missed um, kind of five or six, whatever it's been now. But um, we'll we'll just figure it out. We. We've got a great team with that. Um, I think when previous to Mike's injury, we would I would come off the bench, obviously, I think for him at the start, and then he would come back in and we'd finish the quarter together. And um, I mean, there's so many possessions in a game. I, I think the way we play and the, the style Quinn has us playing and the pace we're playing, I, I mean, there's enough possessions for, for all of our guys that are, are creators or... Um, not need the ball, but are obviously effective with the ball in our hands. There's enough possession for us all to, to, to kind of have it for a little bit. And again, the thing that is the best thing at the end of the day is that there, there is no egos. There is no, like I want Mike to come back probably more than anyone. Like it's not, I'm not trying to sitting in my hotel room, hoping Mike's out another game so I can go and shoot some more threes and play a few more minutes. Um, I, I want him back more than anyone and um, when, when he gets back we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out but uh, I have no doubt there'll be no issues with it. Alright, let's get to some of the fun stuff and I hear from people now all the time <laughs> as they watch the games because they know we're going to talk to you once a week. So Ben Simmons comes out for Philadelphia and, and he is hot, right? I mean, he got to 10 points like that and there's a timeout and you guys are crossing paths going to the bench and he had something to say to you and he had a little smirk and a grin maybe you had a little one what was it was he just letting you have it was that an australian thing right there um i honestly can't even remember which is <laughs> bad but I, <laughs> what, it, it definitely wasn't anything bad i mean I've, I've obviously known ben for a little bit and sure. um i'm hoping he uh he plays with the national team this summer and 
all that happens. Um, I'm obviously happy. Um, I think I think the same as kind of what I was saying. I think I think he's in a really good spot. I, I think he kind of mentally, <clears throat> he always has these questions over why isn't he shooting the ball or not shooting the ball outside the pain or, or whatever. It's like, well, it's, it, I mean, it's like Rudy to a certain extent. Like, why would you shoot outside the paint when you don't need to? Like he, <laughs> what do you have? Forty? I think he had forty-two or forty-four or whatever it was. And uh, someone, someone showed us a shot chart after the game. It was like he took one shot outside of the outside of the paint for the game and had forty-two points. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's. I think uh, I think he's in a good spot, and, and I'm happy for him. And um, yeah, it was good to see him. Um, I mean, I think it, uh, he fouled me one time, but um, yeah, just a bit of talking with a <laughs> with a buddy. And um, yeah, like I said, uh, I mean, honestly, I hope he I hope he plays this summer and um, can actually play with him. It'd be it'd be fun to play with him. So we have the Stockton shot to put the Jazz in the finals is the greatest shot. I think I witnessed the greatest play. O'Neal to Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich behind the back in midair. Mitchell, I've never seen a cross-court, corner-to-corner pass. Never. I've been watching ball longer than you've been alive, and I've never seen that. And so that ball's coming there. Well, in order for this to be the greatest play in Jazz history, you got to make the three, and you do. Did you think at that any, time, wow. Was there any doubt? Was there any doubt? That wasn't for me, but maybe for some doubters, and I'm not. I've always been your biggest fan. I mean, there's Renai and the kids, and then there's PK, and you put us all together. We're all in the same boat there. But I was just praying <laughs> the one shot because in order to have the best play, you got to make the shot. Any any concern about that? Were you nervous at all? No, I wasn't nervous. The whole thing happened so quickly. I was I was honestly just glad I got an extra shot up. To be honest, um, no, I mean it was a I mean it was a pretty crazy play. And yeah, um, I think the one of the funny parts about it is when uh, whoever I think you said Royce drove when Royce drove first. Yeah, something had obviously happened in that play. I, I was standing at the half court, like I was ready to. I guess I assumed either Royce was going to shoot it or Boyan or Donovan, someone was going to shoot it out of those right. three. And me and uh, Rudy, I think it was, or there was two of them. It was myself and someone else were standing at the half court. And I saw it all play out. And then um, I saw Donovan get it. And I was, obviously it happens in a split second. It doesn't happen this slowly. <laughs> um, but in my head, I was like, oh, that's, like Brook Lopez is going to have to take me if I just like come into play a little bit. Um, and then I didn't think he saw me. So I was like, oh, I'll get a bit further to the corner. Um, again, this obviously happens much quicker, but I ran to the corner and I, I didn't, I, you guys probably know, I didn't know how much was on the shot clock, but I knew there wasn't much on the shot clock. Cause I've, I've obviously what had happened. Like I had, I think I might've had the ball to start or, there's something something happened before Royce got it and then Royce and then Boyan and Donovan he held it and I was like oh, I'm just going to run to the corner and see if it, if Donovan can make a pass if not he's probably going to shoot it and I'll have to run back so um, yeah it just kind of happened the way it happened and I just knew when he threw it that I again I don't know exactly what the time was but I just was assuming and pretty confident in my mind I had to shoot it so um it makes it a lot easier to not have to think about it when you know 
in your mind the shot clock's down and you have to shoot it anyway. So um, it was a hell of a pass, though. I've never seen... I mean, I've I've played a lot. I've played a lot of games. I've played with some pretty good passes. I've played with some great point guards, uh, great passes, but I've never had... It went, like, almost over the hoop to get to me for me to then shoot it into the hoop. <laughs> That was a pretty good post-game riff you had, though, on him and playing baseball and your little impersonation of him. That was rock solid. Had you been working on that on a, on the team bus? Well, had you worn him out with that before? Baseball thing is, this whole baseball thing is we've actually got a – I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about gambling. We actually <laughs> – we've got a bet that he he thinks he is this, like, the guy that just signed for – what did he sign for yesterday? $350 million. Is he a pitcher? Oh, the Padres. Yeah, Fernando Tatis shortstop. Jr., shortstop. Yeah. Uh, well, whoever the best pitcher in the world that gets a lot of money, he thinks he's him. <laughs> and I've never played baseball in my life. I've played cricket, which is kind of similar um, to a certain extent. The batter stands there. You stand in a different position. The bat's a bit different, but someone throws the ball as fast as they can at you, and you've got to hit it. Um, and I played that growing up, and we, I don't know how it came up, but he constantly talks about how good he is at baseball, or good he was at baseball, and uh, I was like, I would 100% be able to hit one of your, what do you call it, a pitch? One mm-hmm. of your fastball. pitches. Yeah. A fastball, yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, you wouldn't, no, you wouldn't. I said, well, let's bet. Let's make, let's put some money on it, and the money, we said we would do it for a charity, which obviously mine would, you guys know where my money would go if I won. Um, yeah. Autism. So we've it's it, the the bet or whatever was he he had ten pitches and I had to connect on one of them. That was a, like I just had to touch it on one of them. It had to stay in play, but it has to whatever you call it, not a, a um, if it ball. goes behind me or whatever. Yep, yeah, not that. But I have to I have to basically hit. I don't even have to hit it really. It just has to hit the bat and fall in front of me. <laughs> So we're going to do this? Was, he was, yeah, we just haven't had time. And it, it started in, uh, I'm pretty sure it started in the bubble, or just after the bubble. So it's obviously been a long time coming, but we had COVID and we couldn't see each other. And we, he was in New York and whatever. So um, that that's kind of the whole baseball backstory for, I know it's a, a little bit of a long story about no, it, but that's good. how it kind of came about. And it was for a lot of money. And, um, I just don't like – I'm not like you two. Like, I've played sport my whole life. Like, I'm going to be able to <laughs> – I, I get – he he said he can throw it really fast or whatever. Like, I get I'll probably miss a lot of them, but I'm also not that uncoordinated that I'm going to be able to read the – like, if he's throwing 10 in a row, I'm going to be able to read when the ball's coming and when I should swing. And Timing is what I really literally have to just hit the ball in front of me one time. And I don't even have to hit it. It really just has to hit the bat. Well, let's get it out at the ballpark after you guys win the title in July, man. We can have this all set up. We will. We're definitely going to do it because we've shook on it, and it's a and everybody at the start was on Donovan's side. Like, there's no way you'll hit it. And then I was like explaining the facts of of like literally, I could I could watch the first three go by and then go like, all right, this is when I need to swing. This is when you know what I mean. Like after if he's throwing ten in a row. After the first few, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've played sport my whole life. I'm gonna be able to pick up the reaction time of when I need a swing. I'm not saying I'm gonna smack him for a home run and run around the 
triangle thing with my shirt off. Bases, bases, bases. It's a diamond. It's not a triangle thing. <laughs> Run around the sandpit with my... Um, <laughs> but I'm also like extremely confident, which is why we bet quite a large number. that. Um, oh, and then we thought we'd happen. just do it for charity. Uh, okay. We don't want to take each other's money, so whoever lost had to donate to the other person's charity of choice. There might be some jazz fans who do a little side action to, you know, raise a little more money for autism. Yeah, I assume can, we'll Donovan a, would do some kind we'll of education thing. Oh, absolutely. I'll yeah. put a we 10 spot on that he blows 10 fastballs right past See, Eagles. I, we got to know more about the rules, PK, because I that's, you probably have been too... The, that's the... That's the uh, I that's have to hit one time. I have to connect with the ball on the bat one time. But can he in throw you? Of, like, it has but, to be in but can of he throw you curveballs and changeups and whatever sliders, he whatever he's got? Because he, he said he was going to throw like a fast, like his, yeah, his pitch or whatever it was, which okay. was just a fastball. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will make it easier. Ten, the other thing with throwing ten straight is by like six, seven, eight. Nine, he's going to get tired. He doesn't play baseball for a living. Like <laughs> neither do you. <laughs> but he's. I'm just standing there with a. Oh. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Hey! hey. I, it makes oh. me mad because he, he thinks I can't can't do it. Um, I'm just standing there with a bat. Like all I have to do is connect one time. Oh my gosh, that was awesome! Go on, Jake. Jake oh, he did. Jake hit the dumb button. Jake was enjoying the conversation so much he was going to watch that fastball sail right by him. I had to signal dump button. That's the magic word. That's why we have a dump button. Oh my gosh! All right, I'm already, I'm already getting texts from people. Okay, I'm already getting rules. I'm getting texts from people who say there's zero chance this money's going to charity. So it's going to charity regardless. It's okay, whose charity? All right. I just, there's no so even if, that's what everyone in the locker room was saying at the start. No way, no way, no way. But then, like, if you actually sit down and like think about it. There's no way. And obviously I'm going to go and like hit a couple of balls before I go. I'm not just going to roll in there never facing a pitch in my life and just go on. And he's going to go and practice. He's going to roll in there. and So it has to be 10. Yeah, you'll take some 10, what's, what's called BP. Batting practice. Yeah. So, yeah. There's batting cages. But you I'm can gonna, you can for a couple of bucks. Underneath you the stands. Can, yeah, you can hit a lot of. Oh, you can go under the stands at the ballpark. Yep. Where the, where the, oh, yeah, they'll uh, hook them up. You're right. Yeah. I've thrown yeah, I'm in there. Get, I'm going to get our best player's cricket bat and go and hit the ball. There it is. But that was the only rules. I had okay. to get one, one ball in, in front of me, like connect. It has to be a live ball or whatever. And A fair ball. A fair ball. One out of ten. That's it. One. One out of ten. Like, I'm not that bad. I know I, I, know I can't run and jump and all that, but I can stand there and hit a ball. <laughs> Got to see this. All right. Well... We love having you on, Joe, because we never know where the conversation is going, and I had no idea it was going here, but this has been awesome. I'm glad you woke up. Good luck think, with the game in L.A. Do, do you what? Do you think I could hit it or no? Yeah, I think, I think you probably can. Not knowing how many pitches he can throw and whether he can start feeding you curveballs and all that, that would drop your odds. Um, oh, just gas. He's throwing gas. Yeah, he's just throwing gas. Straight I gas. think I think you're right. I think you'll be able to time a pitch and and be able to dribble one, you know, back towards the mound. Even if it, I even don't. If I think I, Mitchell pulls even if it away. hits the bat and then hits my toe, it doesn't matter. It's still, 
Oh man! All right, going to blow up now. Excuse my language, uh, young friends out there too. I got a bit excited about this. Have a great bleeping day, Joe. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, guys. Joe Bleeping Ingles has joined us here on ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the Bleeping Zone. Nothing gets him fired up like a bet with Donovan Mitchell. Yak wanted us to go to break about ten minutes ago, but we couldn't stop that story. So we'll do a break now. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. There's a kind of hush all over the NBA. Because when the Jazz win, it's just the giant mouth of one Stephen A. You know what I mean. <laughs> There's Kay's daily contribution. <laughs> Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles just had his weekly contribution. And PK, this will shock you, but uh, Twitter is fully embracing this. <laughs> oh, this is, we got to have it, man. Right? Yeah. Rob says, I'm dying here. This is great. I love it. I can't wait for the showdown. Oh, my gosh. TV will get involved. You guys please. will be out there. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Slow-mo jingles. Can I please be involved in the 10-pitch fundraiser for autism? Please. Oh, I mean, and you were right. We'll get other folks to, to bet. Yeah. I, 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 man, Mitchell obviously has a baseball background. And I think Joe is uh, underestimating how hard it is to hit a ball. Now, I realize the standard is very low. Yes. But Donovan reportedly threw in the mid-to-upper 80s in high school. I'm I'm counting on him just throwing fastballs. Because he starts changing speeds and throwing curveballs. No, 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 no. (laughs) Good luck, Joe. Uh, What Joe Joe needs to do is bargain (laughs) that it's 10 swings, not 10 pitches. That would change the math, Because then Mitchell doesn't have to throw a strike. Right. Carson says, how do I get the uncensored version of the Joe Ingles show? Laughing till I'm crying emoji. Uh, <laughs> we got to get on satellite first. <laughs> right. Uh, Christian says what a lot of people think. Ingles is great for this community. Having someone so dedicated to a weekly morning show is unreal. No, it's absolutely unheard of. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Absolutely. Seven years. I mean, we've been doing this show 19 years, which is incredible. And then having him come on after when I met him a little bit, his rookie season, halfway through the season, and then now he's a big-time player. He could have blown us off a long time ago, and he hasn't. Easily, easily. Jeremy says, do we get an unedited version of said pound sign ampersand (laughs) asterisk pound sign? The podcast is already up, and it is edited. Oh, it's edited? Oh, I figured it would be, yeah. (laughs) No, we are not putting a – I have to put an explicit tag on that specific podcast if I leave certain things in there. There it is. All right. I think you can figure out what it is he said. You play it in your mind. All right. We are out of time. We're uh, actually stealing time for Hans and Scotty today. They're coming up next. Stay with us.